morning everybody, this is Martin Stubbs here and this is Dean Scurry and I am a traveller and I am a countryman. Welcome to a traveller and a countryman podcast. podcast. Okay, what's the crack? We're back here today in episode 14 where I uh, have a special guest on here, Jeff O'Toole. Our uh, our film actor, yeah, he's going to tell us all about his acting <laughs> and he's more, more or less his career and all he's, he's done and the things he don't like doing and, ha- and didn't like doing. Yep. And we're gonna we're gonna hound him with questions if we can do it at all. Yeah. Of course, yeah. For so this is Dean. I'm Martin, and this is Dean over here. Stared me into the two eyes. <laughs> As it you can hear, right? I don't know why. Martin's all excited. <laughs> because I don't Martin, know really, Martin really he likes knows, you. He knows I'm going to make so many mistakes, and that's why he's trying to direct me on this one. Yeah. Stutter and fool. Martin is making Martin one day, no really, really likes Jeff. Okay, so. Um, I know Jeff a good couple of years, and Martin's only had to meet him in the last number of weeks since maybe just before we started the podcast. Well, he's a very interesting person, and I'm very interested in what he does. Yeah. And Jeff and actually is a, uh, a good personality. He has, without a doubt. Troy, Jeff actually <laughs> listens to the podcast, which is great. He's I one do. of our main listeners. I do. Uh, why yeah, do you listen yeah. to this podcast, Jeff? I thought it was very interesting. Um, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to any other podcast. No, no. So this but, is it. Oh, this 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 was it. This was it. have opened me up into uh, the world of podcast. This one has. Very good. Uh, oh, hold on. So you, this is episode 14. You never listened to podcasts. And now you're not only listening to this one as your first one, yeah, but I'm you're listening also listening to other ones. Because you am. told me the other day you're listening to that witness one. Listen to it. I finished it. Brilliant. Wow. Excellent. A lot of it is based in Ballymoon as well, which was very interesting. And I've gone from that into one that thinks it's a Sunday world, Nicola Talent one. Brilliant as well. That's deadly. So now it was, was that just since you start to listening to this one, is it? Yeah. Saying? Yeah. I've never right. listened to a podcast in my life. Was well, it because I, I liked Dean's voice or something? Was it? No, no. Um, like my wife listens to them all the time. Yeah. She loves them. She parts around the house, doing the the housework, and listens to podcasts. And she's been telling me to when I was saying, "Look, yeah, like you were resistant to technology, were you? Yeah. I just want to listen to music, just like an RTE or an RTE. No, just deal. music. I have Spotify. Listen to Elvis and the Beatles and... Not on Hughes uh, World. It's not Elvis, it's Tom Jones, you got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, <now. laughs> Two minutes in, you're <laughs> saying, come over to you. No, I usually just, for the last 10 years, coming over to to Valley Moon working, I was listening to music. And now I'm listening to podcasts because of this one. If that's not like uh, an advertisement for podcasts, but for did this podcast, yeah. a traveller fella actually that I know... Uh, he WhatsApp me the other day because I think Martin sent them on the podcast because I've been saying to Martin, send it to people on your phone because I think he might have been a bit reluctant to send it to other travellers. But now, since we got his mammy on, since we got Richie on and Shawnee on and he's getting feedback, he's banging it out to everybody. Yeah. So this traveller got on who, who lives up the road and he said, Dean, how do I get the rest of them? And I was going, how are you listening to this podcast? And he says, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to it on Spotify. So traveller... Uh, people in Ireland are listening to this podcast on Spotify. For me, that's my job done. Yeah, I'm out of here. Drop the mic. Done. Yeah. If travelers are listening to podcasts, if Jeff O'Toole, um, actor, director, uh, community worker is listening to podcasts based on this podcast, yeah. job done. All based on this. And I, I want to be honest. When Dean told me about the idea, I was going. I don't think this is going to work. That's, no. that's, that's, that's so cynicism built into you, Jeff. You were thinking like me then, Jeff, because yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Martin, I thought, no one's going to listen to that. I said, what do you mean? Like, Dean Scurry, you know. But you were right. You know, who, no, who, Dane, who Dane's, uh, he's out there and he's, 
But he talks a lot. And I'm was that your description no of me? I'm out there yeah, and talk yeah. a lot. You're, you're all right, Jeff. Who wants to listen to two weeds like us anyway? Yeah, was it? And then I started yeah. listening to one. And I was going, "This is fuck. This is great." I enjoyed. I enjoyed the the banter you both have, but it's a respectful banter. You know, like I know. Yeah, but that's only when the microphones are on. Jeff. He was nearly pulling that up me today because he huh? he was trying to skip off from doing this podcast, and I said, "No, you have to turn up on time, and you have to drop drop Jeff home to tell it." And he was like, "No, no," and we were snapping at each other. So there is that natural kind of vibe, and it yeah. kind of, it does work. No, it's de- it definitely does. And how like Martin listen to Martin's fate and the stories of his fate and how religious he is, and then your coming from a different you have different beliefs and you think stuff of it is some of it's coincidence or not like uh, traditions and traditions superstitions, superstitions. Myths, stories yeah. all that type of stuff they call, all going to interweave but you weren't you were trying to get your point across to each other but you weren't taking the piss out of each other or stepping on each other too yeah, much yeah it was kind of respectful but you were both giving your, your opinions uh, respectfully to each other yeah. and I thought that was well, it's really, it is really only a chat, like, it's not meant to be a fight, is it, like, so I guess. And I didn't, I thought podcasts were, I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was thinking, I thought they were, like, just one guy talking garbage for 45 minutes. Well, they are that. But now you have just, two just guys like, talking garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the name of the podcast, two guys <laughs> talking garbage. Or he does one call that called talking or, garbage. Or, or it could be Dean talking garbage, you're agreeing. <laughs> well, podcasts are that, Just it's just like TV shows. TV shows are everything. TV shows is one dude in front of a camera. It's a whole cast. It's a documentary. It's a film, and podcasts are all that as well. Yeah, I think I think this is the way it's going, isn't it? Like, we have some young people now in 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 the youth service who are trying to embrace podcasts as a way of expressing themselves. Yeah, like they don't feel comfortable saying certain things to me as a youth worker, but through the the power of of the microphone. They, they just open up for some reason. They, they just get say it. free rather than or what used to happen if you put cameras and microphone in front of young people, they would just freeze up. Anybody, they just freeze yeah. up. Now, most people I know, if you put a microphone or if you suggested them, do you want to do a podcast? They'll go, yeah, no yeah. problem. That thing is gone. It's like it's a, as far as the, the, the a safety net of some description, where it is, if you're putting it up onto social media and it's just you putting your face up there on whatever it is, Snapchat or whatever these things are, Instagrams, that people are seeing you. They're putting a, a face to the voice. Yeah. But with this, we're just, you're just hearing the voice. Whoever's listening to it now is only hearing the voice. Well, they don't want to see our faces they anyway. Don't, they don't so want to see us straight. don't blame them. They don't want to see us straight. Us, us, well, uh, even on Spotify, you can do video ones, like Joe yeah. Rogan's one is video as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it's just, it democratizes um, communication across the world. We can just have conversations that probably we would have had internally or with ourselves or in a small group or in a pub or around the kitchen table. Now we can have conversations and invite people to have conversations across yeah. the globe. Dean, can I um, just ask you, what does democratise mean? Because I'm a bit lost um, in that one. So democracy, we live in a democracy in Ireland as in we have a choice, we have a vote. Um, we have a say in what happens in our own lives and that's kind of democracy. That's kind of the, de- the definition of democracy. Yeah. We agree between us to turn up here. Um, it's economically okay for us to be able to buy the laptop, get the software, get the microphones and make our own TV show, basically. Where for the last, in this day, for the last 50 years, that was kind of the, the, the domain of middle class people. 
Yeah. And their voice and their way of looking at the world was all we heard for the last 50 years. And now it's changing. And you had to buy into it. If, if you wanted to be a part of that and have that um, means to, to express what you want to Stick say, on air you had news. to buy in. You had Stick to buy on in. air news is what my man and I used to say. Like, as in, that's the only thing that we're going to believe. Stick it on there. Stick it on the telly. Stick on the RTE there. We'll watch something. You know? And now, and now you're listening. Now Jeff O'Toole. What age are you now? I'm 43 next week. 43 years mm. of age. You've switched into a different gear yeah. and you're listening to bleeding podcasts. Only yeah. young fella, Jeff. Honestly, the only young fella. You've heard the youth You're better looking than you sound. Oh, I, I am, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like I, I agree. <laughs> so, Jeff, tell me something. How long have you known Dean? Well, I started working in in, in Ballymore eleven years ago. I don't think Dean was working here at the time. I think he was on a break somewhere else. I was Inc. up in Fingless. Yeah. So I'd heard of him, as you would. You hear things in the community. Yes. Not positive now, but if you want to get this going, talk to Dean, and Dean knows this, and and I didn't know who this fellow was. And then I came into work one day and this scone was at the... Came across him, did you? He looked at you and was like, I told you, this scone. Yeah. You, this fellow's at the reception, bouncing around. <laughs> He's bouncing around like, yeah. a, like a lean Jack Russell. <laughs> and then someone says, that's Dean. So then he goes, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's and I think we got on. I think we got on more or less yeah. straight off the back. It's pretty similar. He looks a slagging, I look a slagging. You're creative, I'm creative. Yeah. Uh, and we, we know... Without knowing, we knew a lot of the same people. Right, very good. From where, from what I was doing and what Dean was doing, we kind of knew a lot of the same people. Without knowing, we both knew them. Yes, yes. So yes. that we both have faces. So basically, Dean talked. He, he knew everybody, but then there was usually really knew everybody. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. Dean was name dropping, and I was going, "Wait, we actually know them, Dean." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't tell that story anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> mate, real life. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what, that's what happened to him. <laughs> uh, What's that called? Your chancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what happened. Yeah, we just we got on and uh, a lot of the stuff that he does I'd be dubious about. So do you do, do, do you regret? What do you mean dubious? Do you regret? <laughs> I think just sometimes you, you know you like pushing the envelope a bit. You like you like going. That's what the envelope was for. Yeah, yeah. And at the time I was kind of going, Justin, play the game a bit, a bit, boy. He, he doesn't. He goes and does what he does. He likes eating all the sugar lumps. Like is that what you're saying? No, I think he just likes winding the people up. Yeah. That's what I think. That's what I thought. Yeah, he's good at that. Yeah, but he gets winding up himself as well. Oh, well, he loves himself. We know, look at him. We know this. It does happen. I resemble that remark. You resemble it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to understand, Jeff, that um, Dean has done uh, stand-up comedy for 10 years. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Here he comes now. You can hear the horses coming around the mountain. Martin's getting ready to slide the country fella. a few jokes in there, Martin's been waiting 14 episodes for this. This bit will be good. a small bit of comedy inside this guy, you know what I mean? He's holding back. How do we expect not to? If a man tells you he's doing... That's Martin, simple. The first thing about comedy, Martin, is all about timing. He's waiting till episode 20 before he tells a joke. I don't know. Where was that place you went to in England? Um, the big uh, show, the Edinburgh Fringe. The Comedy Edinburgh. Festival. I done a bit of research on him, and he was the only guy that got through out. <laughs> so I was wondering, how come this guy? The only guy who probably made money guy, there. Most, said, most guys when they go to Edinburgh come home broke like five or six grand in debt. I, I, I made about four or five grand because I done a free comedy gig and I charged people out. So it was free to get in. So it filled the venue, and then you charge them. Just say, look, you if, this, get out. if this gig was half as good, that sounds like ransom. If this gig was half as good as a twenty what? pound gig, was it give a me a tenner. Gig? 
what do you want to leave early? Was it extra? Do you money? think, Jeff? Jeff do you think? <laughs> no, I hope we're getting out of the room with me alone. Do you think that sounds like a hostage gig? Those sounds a bit like you let them in free and charge them to get out. That was the inbuilt. So joke, what? If man. That, what if you duped them. You duped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What if they were empty? They had no money to get out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What happens then? But uh, anyway, I done a little bit of research on him, and I heard he had basically got through out. Uh, on the other hand, they told him, "Look, we only need is you to draw the curtains." <laughs> You see the ropes over there? Pull them when we tell you. Let them go when we tell you. I think that's what his job was. So they don't actually take you telling jokes over there. I so just he, think he was the court puller. <laughs> <laughs> so he came home and told the people of Ireland, look at I was over there. I've been a stand-up comedian for he 10 years. It. it was amazing. Edinburgh, he was over there. He was on stage. He, he just wasn't Edinburgh, telling jokes. Edinburgh, I filmed it, but I lost all the tapes. <laughs> he said, Edinburgh is after he retired me. <laughs> it's that old chest. Uh, look, look at the editing floor. Look yeah. I was in the film. I, I swear to God I was in it. Oh, I same one today. It was uh, your man Stephen, the Liverpool fella, the actor. Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham and Goldie, right? And Goldie plays this kind of really posh character. They're just taking the piss. They're over in Ibiza or something like that, and they're poolside. Goldie goes, yes, I was in that film, uh, whatever, Gladiator. And he goes, you ain't in Bleeding Gladiator. But it's about a 10-minute thing of him just taking the piss out of each other. It's cracker. Uh, I've, okay, I've, I've, been, I've been there. Telling people I was in this picture, and then you go to watch Did it. Did you? Yeah. And you ain't in it. I, done a, I, I, I told uh, Martin, I was in that Des Bishop uh, joined the hood, and I was telling everybody, and it was about to be released on RTE the week before Christmas. And then Des rang me going, uh, We had to pull you from the show and another fella because there's too many people in it. And I was like 20 odd years of age, probably 30 odd years of age, crying with you. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite similar. I was, I was embarrassed for life. I was a, a friend of mine, Damien O'Donnell. Uh, he's a BAFTA winning uh, director. You won't learn the film East is East. Set over I in, love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. He, he directed that. He's from Bastard Dublin. Bastard Wife, that one? Yeah. He's from Dublin. And uh, he made another picture here, Inside I'm Dancing, it was called. That was interesting, wasn't it? And James, Mac, uh, James McAvoy is in it and Brenda Fricker. The lads in the wheelchair, isn't Yeah, it? that's yeah. it. So uh, Damien offered me a part in it, small part, but he wanted me to be involved. He says, Yeah, great, brilliant. Went, done the film. Premiere comes round. That was the cast and crew first. It was in the, the Savoy in town. So it, we're all outside. There's press and there's all the actors are there. I brought my wife. She wasn't my wife. At, <laughs> yeah. She wasn't my wife at the time. So I just want to impress her. But I'm in this big film. And I'm going to be doing scenes with Brenda Fricker and James McAvoy. And I'm going to be up on this big screen in the Savoy. And I can see Damien is kind of looking over crowds to try to catch me eye. But because he's the director, people are pulling out of him and he's getting pulled into this. So anyway, we get ushered into the, the theatre. We watch the film. And I'm kind of going, I thought my scene was, I thought my scene was coming up in, in and out now. Is this like the Irish edit? There must be a different edit for the international audience. And my wife is beside, well, my, my uh, fiancé at the time. And I'm going, yeah, I'm coming up now in a minute. And then the part where he was supposed to be, he's gone. And I'm Clipped going, out. I'm going, Shit. I look like a fucking idiot here. She's you, she's you. She's definitely not going to so, marry me now. So I said to myself, the job's telling in me, says, I'm going to see him outside. They're going to have to find out here what's about happening here. Yeah, turn the teeth off. Because I was getting a bit, I'm not being embarrassed, <laughs> yes. basically. You're not getting embarrassed. He didn't have the balls or the decency to He was trying to. Right. Yeah, he was trying. You know, a text. Yeah. So we, I got outside and I'm looking around for him. And he's looking around for me because he knew Jeff's going to be, he's not going to be happy. So you could have met, you met each other outside on O'Connell Street, kind of halfway. And I goes, I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. He goes, I'm so sorry. Ah. And he started apologising what had happened. And it wasn't it, his fault? 
Well, he's the director. This is he's the director. He has he has created probably the reason for not having you in it though. Film ran on too long. The funders, the studio who 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 pays the money, had said it was twelve minutes too long, so he had to cut twelve minutes out somewhere. And it just so happened that the scenes I was in was the easy ones to take. Right. So that was the end of that. But it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And what was the name of the film again? Inside I'm Dancing. Inside I'm Bullying. Are you still dancing inside? Here's the funny part. I'm still in the credits. (laughs) (laughs) You still get residuals. (laughs) Wasn't even in the film. Do you you still get paid? No. It was a one-off. What do you mean? So how does that work? You, You... one-offs or residuals how does that work? What's it? do you know how that world works yeah yeah well I'm producing now so I kind of I do know a bit yeah yeah you've, uh, you've upskilled yourself on it so yeah. you don't fucking make a show of yourself again yeah because I've, I've been stung with that as well and I'll tell you about that if you want there was another film in New York but I'll get on to the first question um, what we we, ha- we asked you a question did we yeah do I know <laughs> the question about residuals and oh yeah residuals? yeah 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 go on so you kind of I didn't you, think we were that professional. Dean asked, Martin, don't mind Dean. He asked questions. He's getting all excited. He's getting. I have to, uh, Jeff. I have to apologise for him. That's okay. <laughs> He's getting all excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, we get get offered a, a film. I get offered a part. You a lot of the time you'd either say you can have an upfront payment, or it could be if there's not as much as a budget, then we say, look, it's a lower payment, but we'll give you residuals, which is a percentage of future earnings. And profits from the film down profits the Profits from the film. Now, sometimes if you're stuck, which I was, I just say, no, just, just give me money in the bank is better than yeah. what might happen. Because you knew you were going to chat with some lady and marry One bird yeah. is better in the hand than two in the bush. A, it's a risk some you can take. Oh, is that what that means? Well, yeah. One in the hand is better than two one in the bush. One ha- bird in the hand is better I than two in the bush. I never knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's deadly. I'm sick and tired of educating you, honestly. And that's, more often than not, I've said, Oh, you just, just, it's again, it's the, it's the jobs telling me. I'm not, it's the working you know, class. We, we, working class. You didn't have any money, so if someone's offering you money, you, you take the thing. Yeah, you don't wait. You could take half the money and then film bombs. And, and maybe you don't never get, get to the other half. So, this so is it's it. a bit of a risk. What would they prefer you to do? Would they prefer you to go look at them out of the way money up front, or it does depends. that even come into it? No, it doesn't even. Say it, like a lot of the bigger actors, like the the big, the big stars. They would have both. Right, okay. So, so they get their them, fee and their residual. Yeah, a lot of them would, would have that put into into contracts if they know the film is going to be a success. I think one, uh, of, the, one of the more famous ones was like, uh, it was Jack Nicholson doing The Joker and Batman and he had written in that I want residuals but it was residuals of all future Batman films. Oh, it was something like that. So, so he'd, get, he'd already got smart $20 million dollars, but he's still, yes. making, he's still making money even when future Batman movies are getting released that he wasn't even in. So that's that's the sort of smart Yeah, because there's probably people who wrote contracts who are getting money, say, from Netflix who are, you know, who don't, you know, it looks like they don't really pay that well. But they're probably, because they wrote it in a, in a contract 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and if that, they want to show that film when they, they have to pay these people. Yeah, so it's like, right, like, like you're, you're involved in the music industry as well. It's like royalties for music. Like when you actually release the record, you might get an advance on it. It's royalties, it's it's sales, it's all this business. That's where the... the I was actually ad- ad- advising, because I give some advice to some young artists starting off, you know what I mean? Because they're always looking for management, and I'm so, I'm saying you only need a manager when you be, when, when certain making. things become unmanageable. Mm. So if stuff isn't unmanageable, well, then you don't need a manager. You think you need a manager because you want your name out there and you want to be famous, and you think a manager is going to bring that. 
but they can't really unless they take everything from you. Yeah. So I'm kind of talking to these guys about this, but I was talking to one guy the other day and I was saying, "Do you, who owns the music? And he goes, what do you mean? It's my music. And I'm going, how do you know that that's your music? You're guessing that that's your music. How do you know? Is there something written down somewhere? Is that an agreement or a contract? Um, and it's kind of the same in, yeah. in films. I remember a great one for the same director, actually, for da Damien O'Donnell. He had made a short film I was in. This is in 1995. I remember it because Man United were playing in the FA Cup final that day you were filming. That's how I remembered. I've no interest in football. But, uh, they, he had a budget of 15,000 make it short at the time. And I remember he was telling me he had spent 8,000 of the budget to use a 15 second snippet of the song You Never Walk Alone. He spent half the budget to buy a bit of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he thought, he felt it was really important and the film went on and made awards all over the world, won everywhere. It actually got him to make East is East. It helped bring him along in his career. And I think the, that part of the music, uh, that part of the film where the music was, was, was brilliant. But I kind of got to be thinking, going, these lads brought this song out 50 years ago and I'm still getting money. I'm still yeah, making money and still paying them. Yeah. And, but then there's other ones because I'm involved in a documentary with Sky and I think they have an agreement with uh, somebody, whoever has all the music, the BBC or something like that, to say, we give you a lump sum once a year. And then we can use whatever you have. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's different ways to yeah. to skin a cat. But that was it. That was that. That was when I was embarrassed most watching uh, bringing my wife along to watch me in, in the yeah. movie that I wasn't in. Right. So of the uh, of the stuff that you have done, what um, what are you least proud of? Can I ask you that? That's a more of an awkward question. And what are you most proud of? Without least embarrassing proud anybody of, else, directors no, or actors. No, the least proud of without question. Is I, I done a, a commercial. This is where people are actually going to know me from. Yeah. So you're laughing already. Like, <laughs> I think that that's you, where you, I know you from. Dean, right? Could you give the man a chance to talk That's why you stitched me up here. No, no, no. no. Like, so. That's the thing that I know you from. But every time I see it in anything, I just remember that. Exactly. Ad. And then people that's listening are going to remember me from this. What is it? I done an ad when I was very young and I needed, I needed money. Sounds uh, like you're getting manipulated all over the surf. place. Washing powder. <laughs> and it was with Biddy O'Glenn Glenn Rogue. Now you're, you're going to remember yeah. it now, don't you? Remember it now? Yeah. <laughs> remember it now. So I did two ads. I did a follow up one. Yep, uh, To get more money. Now, at the time, fantastic, great money. Money, money. Fantastic. Money. Okay. Hold on. Can we I love the way you bring the money into it, Jeff. I don't have to. Know. Have, look, <laughs> well, these people are making money. So it's all about the money, isn't it? At, at the time, it was, yeah. 100%. 100%. There was no. What's There's great no money when you're talking about great money? Are you talking, if you do uh, a 30 second ad, it's 20 grand? You'd be in around that. Yeah. Jeff, can wow. I say one thing, please? Uh, Dean, if we ask this man a question, it would be okay if we let him finish the answer, please. <laughs> yes, Dad. Yes, <laughs> Dad. If you don't mind. Go on, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, you would be talking head. in the tens of thousands, yeah, at the time, in pounds. Wow. Now, and I'm, I'm coming from, as I said, from Jobs where there wasn't a lot of money in the house. And I was still living at home at the time in my, in my mother and father's. So that sort of money gets offered to you to do a day's work or two what days. What age were you? I think it was 19. So 19, 19 and someone's 19. going, we, you can earn a year's wages with yeah. this 30 second ad. Yeah. Because 
like let's say 15 grand was probably a year's yeah. wages yeah. when you made that film yeah. or when you made that ad yeah Fuck. and for a day for a day's work for a day's and work it, and you jump in and you're all over it great this is brilliant Absolutely. and but then there's no thoughts of the ramifications or the, or the consequences what's going to come with it whereas I got a lot of abuse I was slagged I was going to nightclubs all over Dublin it was great now everybody knew me then I was getting into all these pubs and nightclubs no issue I was going to the like, I was meeting a lot of other like other celebrities and stuff like this but slaggings the abuse the, like, it was it was bringing me mates out they were getting into fights physical fights with people who were taking the piss out of me or whatever and I was kind of going fucking that, that money wasn't worth it at all and do you think that they would have known that we'll get this fella in we'll get his face he has an interesting face an interesting voice and we'll pay him off 15 grand it'll be fucking cheap at the price and we're gonna fucking he's gonna get debt on it but we'll make an ad no no I just think I think when I read the little, the little snippet the little script of it it's kind of I fitted it like you know what I mean I, I fitted the part of it small fella at the at a like, check out I think it was and he has glasses and I was going that's it's, it's it's me that they're did, saying Did they write this for me? That's the classic one. Did yeah. they write this for but me? But they didn't write it for me. It was already written like that and I just happened to come in. Yes. And they goes, Jeez, that's, geez, fuck, he's the bloody image of a fella that we have to write that writing here. So that was it. And in your head, were you thinking, did it ever come to you going, I might be typecast here for the rest of my life in this place? Didn't enter my mind for a second. And did that happen? Yes. I'm, I'm only throwing it out. Yeah. Did that happen? Yeah, of course. Because other stuff was coming up and I was going in for auditions with casting directors and agents and stuff and directors who I would have worked with already and I was going in you're kind of going the ad is still very fresh it's still very you're, you're in everybody's mind if we put you in this in this film or if we put you into this TV series it's like the fella out of Sorvad yeah is in so although you might have got, got a great payday you probably didn't get something decent then for yeah. another Few years, years, two years. years yeah. So, well, you're thinking they wouldn't take it serious, basically. It wouldn't, no. It was like the, the guy. Jorrits, if you were to watch East Ender, say, for instance, Martin, and you saw the guy out of, you know, the, the, the guy with the Halifax ads, that fellow with the glasses and the tall, the tall black fellow with the If you've seen him, you go, that's the chap out of the ads. You're you not gonna, you, you wouldn't take him serious as, yeah. as an actor. And yeah. that's, what, that's what it was. Oh, you understand it now because I'm. Working on the and other people side. are much more careful, especially in this country now. Like somebody fr- also from Tala who does a lot of stuff that people would know, but they might know they know him is Emma yeah. Emma Kerwin. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. His yeah. voice has been everywhere, but his face hasn't been everywhere, and that that's kind of premeditated. He yeah, would, he would know if I put my fucking face everywhere in every in, in all of these ads. Um, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot exactly. for, for future projects. Exactly, he's very smart, Emmett. He's uh, he's very smart, and he had. People around them telling them about the, the, the potential consequences of doing something like this. I, I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking, my family needs money. I need money. That's Maybe it. you didn't have the luxury that or was the as privilege as was, to think about it. No, that was it. That's as far as the talk process uh, went. Course. And then it was when the second one came up and he offered me money again. I had rang Maureen Hughes, who's a casting director. and She's been great. You know, she, like, I know her... 40 years, nearly 40 years, and I ring her and says, look, I'd rather offer me another ad. I'm asking you the truth. If I do this, is this going to hamper me getting more parts? And in a roundabout way, she kind of said, well, look, people know you as the, the fella in the force anyway. 
So the damage so is done. The, it's kind of, the, not, the, not in so many words. The Milky Bar Kid yeah, is out. The Milky Bar Kid is like, that. there you go. The Milky Bar Kid isn't going to be that's what it. typecast means, right? Say the Milky Bar Kid or Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin, probably for a while after doing Home Alone, was fucked. Couldn't do any other bleeding films. Yep. Or that dude out of uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. And it was like... And he had to go off and do a mad bleeding naked horsey film or a play, play or something like play, that to, yeah. to, uh, to break the typecast people take him serious and if you could see it I'd look if I looked back and I know it was to look at the pra- trajectory of my career and I was getting four and five parts a year consistent bang 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 I was in everything I was doing like nearly I was probably doing 40% of every film that was getting made in Ireland at the time in some capacity, it was in everything. So it didn't do any damage to you. But then, when them, but then when the ads hit, bang! The ads came out afterwards. The ads weren't just horse things. The heart, the horse was. They pulled it in a little bit. The reins of the career was pulled a bit, and it was like in hindsight. Yeah, but the other thing is that that was a different Ireland. That was now we most things we look at on screens are from an international thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So your face doesn't get, you don't get typecast as quick, I think, if you're just doing Irish stuff. If you've just done an ad in Ireland now, that doesn't affect stuff in the UK or stuff in America. No, see, back then as well, you didn't have the likes of uh, Zoom auditions. You couldn't do an audition in London. You had to actually physically go to London. Right. So you weren't even, you weren't even trying to grow. So you're kind of restricted for now, I'm only going to be doing roles in Ireland, in Dublin, as a Tala fella, as a fella from Jobstown, probably a scumbag, and that's the part you're going to be going for, for the next five, six years, until you become a man, and you probably look a bit older, then you might be a da, the da an alcoholic, a da a scumbag, or you're an yeah, alcoholic, yeah. Have, you played, have you played any of them? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's just uh, the way it is. So what, what have you played? Because I would have, uh, I would have known you from. Uh, I was actually looking at it today. Accelerator and um, I forget the fucking name of the other one. Crush proof. Yeah, yeah. And they were cracker. They were really good. And they're on. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, they're on YouTube and you can watch them. Like, I know. You know I what I mean? Know, dear. And that's probably from the DVD. <laughs> the DVD days when people were banging DVDs around. It happened to the to the best films in the world, but. Um, I was just looking at them today going, they're precursors to Love, Hate. Yeah. They're the precursors to, to some of the best stuff that we've done in the last five years. And Love, Hate is up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now they're doing Kane. Uh, these are precursors to that. Where in Ireland, uh, the working class North Dublin or scumbag Tala accent, there's no value in that. That's exotic around the world. Uh, Jeff, yeah. can I ask you one question? Have you yeah. been? Have you been? Have you been? Have you been called scumbag? You have. Oh yeah, because you seem to be bringing up there enough times, and Dean seems to be throwing yeah. it there as he well. He was in that yeah. film, scumbag. Yeah, you do. You, yeah, of course. And the same way, someone from Ballymun, if they're if they're walking around somewhere, and he just even mentioned that they're from Ballymun, the first words that's coming is scumbag. It's why, just. Why, it's why, just would, a, why would people want to be calling the name? It's something a lot of hatred for absolutely nothing. Like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't. I'm not going to name names, but. We, as, at some stage, we are getting introduced to a very, very well-known director in Ireland. And we are we are called, it was myself, Mark Dunn, and Gavin Kelty. Mark Dunn went on, went on to do Love, Hate and stuff. Gavin moved to America. And we weren't even, we didn't even have names. 
we're just called the Jobstown Tree. Or the Jobstown lads. So you're being typecast again. Why was the tree working together all the time? Tree was we're getting working. We got we're doing everything. Because we're kind of the safe. All the, the Irish safe films, option. Yeah, yeah. It was it was safe like, option. There was like the Jeff looking one. There was like the uh, scumbag, tough looking, yeah. good looking fella. We need a gang of scumbags. Get the job sound, boys. Serious. We need a gang what of scumbags. Tough, what were you were telling us something there about yeah. some director, then, was it? We got introduced to this to this director and he he'd said, uh, get me the job sound. He did, no, he goes, I'm doing a scene. We're doing a scene. And he says, uh, get me the job sound, lads. And it was the, the job sound young us. And here we were, we kind of went, we have fucking, we have names, you know what I mean? <laughs> is that, that going to be my title like, in the credits? We have a, I have a name. Job sound one, job sound two. Name, like, like, I'm not disrespecting anybody else here on the on the thing. We're actually behaving ourselves very well here. No, we could behave bad if that's what's Did needed. you actually hear him saying this? I heard him saying it, yeah. That's what they were calling them. Can I get that's the what we were you corrected them on it, did you? No, we didn't have the balls to direct to, to correct them. I was only a young. I was thinking of a part in the film, basically. Yeah, I thought I'd lose the part, so I just went went along with it. And then we were on the boxer with Jim Sheridan. Uh, Jim uh, Dean knows him very well, good friend of Dean's. And we are brought down, and one of the ideas says, "Was Vinnie Murphy was well? He was our drama teacher. He directed Accelerator and wrote it, and he was very well known around the Dublin scene." Right. And one of the ideas, the assistant directors referred to me, Jim was looking for someone to do an Northern Ireland accent for a bigger part. And one of the ideas was doing like little test runs. Can you do an Northern Ireland accent? And we were all doing it because we wanted to get a better part because we want to meet Jim Sheridan and this Daniela. So I was the best one at doing it. So she brought me down and she says, uh, this, is Vinnie Mor- this is one of Vinnie Murphy's lads. And Jim says, what's his name? And she goes, she didn't even know my name. <laughs> and she says, what, 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 what's your name? Which, which, one? No, <laughs> which one are you? Which one are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, Jeff. And Jim says, pleased to meet you, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And he took me off and had a chat with me for a few minutes. And he looked at me and he goes, are you pissed off about that? And I goes, I am a bit, yeah. Yeah, did he? Yeah, I goes, I am a bit. Good. And he goes, don't be worried about it. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, and he gave me a bigger part with with more money. Daddy, we we done the deal nearly between us. Like, he he kind of goes, "Will you come in next week and I'll pay you nine hundred a day?" Fucking deadly. And he says, "Yeah, absolutely." What, what is that, Jeff? What is that? Like, that's not typecast. That's it's just like, why wasn't the respect there, or, or was it a lack of respect? That's what. I'm... My own opinion is because we weren't uh, formally trained. Okay, that's what I'm, that's what I think it is. A lot of the actors at the time were coming through the Gaiety School of Acting, are coming through because their daddies had money to send them to these things. We didn't. We done our drama in so after money, school. Money so. talks, of course. It does yeah, yes. Yeah. So what did he say then when you come back in next week? So we came back in, and I didn't tell him this, but I was I had done another film called Oliver Twist. It was a Disney thing with Richard Dreyfus, and. Yeah, were you really in that now? Yeah, I was really in it. <laughs> and I'm British in it. Great, oh, great, very great good. accent. You didn't get clipped out, no? But didn't. No, <laughs> brilliant. But they called me back over to London to do uh, ADR work, like voiceover work for anyone who doesn't know what ADR is. And I knew I'm going over to London the following week, but he just said to Jim, yeah, yeah, we'll be over, yeah. So I went in the following week and I done one day and I went to London, done the ADR, 
came back came back on set and Jim goes did you know that you were going to London for two days and he says yeah and he goes you little bastard he Fair goes, play. you got fucking paid more than I did he <laughs> said <laughs> but the respect is there yeah, yeah. and it's kind of like because uh, he was working has, class because yeah, Jim, he, he, Jim he got it money. he got it like, th- these lads are trying they're on their arse they're doing fucking ads for Soph because they need to come to the bleeding bob they're trying their best they're trying their best they're just trying to make their way and eke their way to some sort of living or get some sort of respect and he was kind of I see it lads I see it I know what you're trying to do I'm going to help you along the way if I can he gave us he brought us in on days that we weren't even needed to get us more money serious yeah want us to give you confidence as well like yeah because we, we we came in, we done three days in a row, and I think we'd only done one scene. And I was in the background watching a boxing fight, watching Daniel Day-Lewis boxing. And we were kind of going, what, what are we even doing here? We're not even needed. Yeah. But we, we realised the after the fact, bottle, he was giving yeah. you a dig give us a bleeding few quid. He's trying to bang up a few bottles. There's money there. We can get these lads yeah. sorted out. I can put a bit more in. That's what we were talking about, Richie. Uh, yeah. about what can we put back in Yeah, because we can ride into town on the blading big horse that is uh, you know a Hollywood film uh, rape and pillage um, make a great film and then just pull out and the community is left blading probably sometimes worse off because yeah. they're not in control like Ballymoon for example in you know Into the West or Adam and Paul we're not in control of the image that's put out um, uh, you know of this community although yeah. people have made money on, on the back of not just com- this community, uh, communities like this, and not just people like you, uh, uh, not just you, but people like you, you know, who are working class on their arse, uh, want the the glitz, want, want something in, you know, that Hollywood's kind of magic. But you yeah. haven't got a fucking clue what you're doing. You don't know yeah. the rules. And that, and, and the, unfortunately, it's a few and far between. People like Jim Sheridan and uh, there's, there's others, like Vinnie Murphy as well and Damien O'Donnell and the likes, that were giving us chances that are few and far between. And it's yeah. sad because there's, I meet a lot of actors, a lot of, lot of young folks and young girls come up to me and say, Jeff, how do we go about getting into this business? They're from Ballymone or they're from Ballyferma, they're from Tallet, Clondalkin, whatever it may be. And they're kind of going, you need to get to a bleeding drama school, I think. And you know, I don't have the money for drama school. Yeah. So what do I do now? And you're, you're trying to give them advice so that's, that's partly why I'm doing what I'm doing out here with the, the short films and stuff. So and what are you doing out here? So what are you doing in Ballymun? I work as a youth worker, but as part of it, I've, I've set up like a, a script writing group. It was initially set up just for young folks to write down, and girls, that whatever shit is going on in my head, get it onto a page. doesn't care what your literacy. You could be the worst speller or writer in the world. Get it out of your head onto a page. So, so it's out of there now. It's out. It's not rattling around in there anymore. But as they were writing, I was going, this stuff is bleeding golden. This is an unbelievable writing. This is better than some of the stuff so-called professionally trained writers have ever written. The perspective is different, but also the writing is not bad. It was brilliant. The stories were fantastic. And they're Very all, good. they're coming from young people from Ballymun, about Ballymun. It's not someone, like you just said, someone from working class or middle class, should I say, writing about what happens in Ballymun. You don't know what goes on in Ballymun. You're doing a bit of research, True, but you yeah. don't know. These are living in it. That's right, exactly. Like, look what Richie was saying on last week's one to you, Martin. When, when Richie was saying to you, I'm going to give you the script and can you throw a traveller's eye over it? That's 
that's giving respect to what the story is. Others don't do it. They, they think that's they right. know. Yeah, but it's also giving options and opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what, that's what you're doing with young people in Ballymore. You're giving them options and opportunity because I'm going to big you up now. I think what you're doing here in Ballymore and I'm going to try and champion your work and the, and the work from the young people in Ballymore over the next couple of years with people that I know in the industry like Jim and all that type of stuff with lads I know in Google and get you that 200 grand a year, that million quid a year to run, you know, uh, film workshops or, uh, you know, an acting studio in Ballymun. You're doing tremendous work. You've had, uh, you've set the bar high, but you, you pull it off. You pull in your mates from the industry. Yeah. You know, you've got a number of releases uh, in the cinema, a number of releases on RTE, a number of releases in the Cannes Film Festival yeah. and, and other festivals. Yeah, all over the world. Did I hear him saying a million pound a year. Is that, do you look, <laughs> are you looking for a partner, What's Jeff? job? <laughs> <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> no, no it's, it's great to hear, but the young people are doing all the work. I'm telling you, you this going? this community, the pool of talent, it's, it's amazing. The, the stories that, I could, I could make a film here every month. Yeah, with the, all the stories the, the scripts they have, that that good, and when we actually, the hardest part of this is actually picking one to make because you only have the budget to make one, and it's a low budget. Right. Two and there's a half an, there's there's a, a call out to anybody in this country or in the UK or whatever who has uh, balls and who has billions, come and get these bleeding scripts. Work. Yeah. I'm telling you now, you won't regret it. It's it's. The reach, the reach now, like the, the scripts that these young people have written, we made them to a professional standard. Like as Dean said, we pulled in favours all over the gaff. You know, I'll, I'll get someone in who's like we on one of the first ones we done fingerprints. I'm gonna name him now, but we had Jimmy Smallhorn directing it, who directed a film what won in Sundance Film Festival in like Robert Redford's one. Then we had Fionn Comerford, the young cameraman who was done done the camera on Harry Potter. Black Hawk Down, they done all this for free, right? They give our, they give their time. John Connors was involved in it. Mary Murray was involved in it. This is the first one, and the it's just moved on and on and on. And every one we do, there's people lining up to help now. So people that you know from the industry right. over the last thirty years that you've worked with on you know low budget films, international films, and they know Jeff's working in Ballymun. There's some amazing scripts. The proof of the pudding is in. He he won in Cannes. He was yeah. in the cinema. He done he done this. And they're coming to go. How can we help you achieve yeah. the dreams of these young people? Yeah. And it's, like stuff like that is amazing. It's not long term sustainable because at some point people need to be paid. There's certain jobs that need to be paid. Yeah, yeah. So really, let's be realistic. Yeah, you're at their beck and call. Like if you had a budget, like I know you're you're talking to to uh, Richie last week and you're asking him who's the boss on the films when you have the story yeah. it's like that whereas what Richie was saying he ultimately has the last say because he's a director and Alan Maloney was the producer and stuff but with this one the way we're making them the people who are giving us a hand it, it's around their timetable because we can't pay them so it's kind of like, like when are you free if we're trying to get Fionn Comerford for argument's sake yes. and Fionn says Jeff I can give you two days at the end of September it has to happen them days so everybody else, because he could make the film better than anyone, because that's the way he works. Oh, yes. So you kind of have to jump to his B. Yeah, it's kind of like the stuff I done here uh, in Ballymore with Maverick and Hector, and they had a DOP, and he was 
you know, doing stuff all over the world and he said, I have three days in this month, in this year and we'll get it done. That's, that's you have to do it. You have to do it. And that's it. You, you, you get them in and we make them. We do the best we can. We have a great editor. It makes them look great. And they go off. You just put them out. Like they've gone all over the world. The films that we've made four or five out here and every one of them which would now and I hope this keeps going. Jeff just touched his head there. I did. Wooden, head. wooden head. <laughs> wood. I heard of a wooden heart, and I've never heard of a wooden head. I don't know why I do that. Jeff, tell me something. No, all these, so these, these touch, touch wood. What were you going to say? Touch wood. What? That continues to happen. Yeah, yeah. These films will go around. They've been in every. They've been in America. They've been in Hollywood. The last one we don't want to hang out. Won two awards over in Cannes. It, it was shown in the Hollywood film, Holly Shorts Film Festival in Hollywood, which is an Oscar qualifying one. Like these are little films that we're making here in Ballymun in your community and they're going over they're getting shown in Hollywood they're getting shown in Cannes they're getting shown in Berlin but in Australia in China it's going all over the world these things and you're kind of going to the young people now that's you can do that you can so get that how, what's the, there's a bit of magic or a bit of knowledge or something or a bit of backing or something that turns that into beyond a hobby into a career you know what I mean? Like you've you've been lucky enough in the last whatever number of years to eke out some kind of career or yeah. work or job, you know, consistently. Uh, I'm not sure how many films you've done. How many projects have you worked on? To be honest, I don't know the exact number. Um, I think it's somewhere between 55 and 65. But how do we do that for other people? Because you're, um, you're not common in this city. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're more, becoming more and more common with, with stuff, you know, with like Kane and Love, Hate and all that. But uh, Jeff O'Toole from Tala uh, involved in the music or in the film industry is not a common I, thing. I don't know where the next one is coming. Yeah, but what you're doing now, you know how you're doing with the young kids now these, and you're getting these uh, little scripts that they're writing for you. Yeah. Are you doing this on your own or have you got a company behind you that's giving you some help with it? No, we do on our own. Yeah, we do on our own. We just bring in. Or you know a fella, the guys who have production companies, because you ha when you're sending to a film festival, you can't send it in as Jeff and Martin. Right, like Jeff and Martin are sending this in. Have you asked for any help on this, like from anybody that can, the people out there that can help, like? Yeah, and it's the people who are giving us their time on the crew. Yeah, and then sometimes you might get it, but financially, no. I was going to say, do you not need like uh, someone oh. to support you, like the Irish film boards? No, they never got funds. Often. Never going to happen. I don't know you want to like sort of make a dream come true here for young kids, like not a shilling. We get it through the youth centre here, and they give us what you can. It's brilliant. The pool is is vast. But it's it's a little bit disgraceful that you're so like thirty years in this business now. Yeah, yeah. Now you've decided to say sort of help somebody else out, like right. And yet you don't get no support from the whoever supports the Irish film boards or there's a few different people there that can help, can't they? No. Yeah, there is. And they're, not, and they're not stepping up to the to the board here. No, unfortunately, Martin. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, look, at this is the way it is. It's it's the same as anything. Because like, wouldn't it be nice what you're saying are the chances that you got and what you're doing, you're trying to give somebody else a chance at the same time, young people. In a dream in Wouldn't a dream it be nice world, if that can come true for them? What, what my ambition and what my goal would be to do over here? And I said it to, to Dean before. I would love to have the fund to set up like uh, there's an acting part of it where you're teaching young kids from the area how to act in it, and then there's another part how to get young kids from the area to do the crew, where they will shadow professional cameraman, they shadow professional sound designer, and so on. Yeah. And they're going to learn the skill as they're going, and they're going to crew the film. 
and you can pay them. Yeah, very good. So it's like it's like a film school or a tech for film. Yeah, and we could pay these lads. So say for argument's sake, we could go up onto St. Margaret's and say, you, you six lads, you're going to come with me and you're going to learn how to make make movies from yes. scratch. When you're finished this programme, you're going to be able to pick up any camera and, and make a film yourself. Basically. So you're doing an apprenticeship. Yeah, we're going to teach you how to make a film yourself and we're going to pay you to do as, this. as to do it as you're going. So you're, you're basically paying them to learn yeah. also. Yeah, I'd love that. And to do it with, with the actors as well where you go in and say there's but five or six young traveller girls off to say like what what Richie was talking about last week about the, the film he wants to make and has young travellers involved and the young traveller girls go up do a 10 week or a 15 week training programme teach them the fundamentals of like acting 9 and 10 year olds basically teach them how to act kind of like the one that John had done he'd done a great one on RTE and he got Jim and Maureen and all yeah, involved I was, I, was, I was involved to start with Kim yeah and he's, how doing, do you feel he's doing that? a similar one now he's doing like workshops around the country uh, specifically for, for travellers now I know how, there's some settled people in it as well Jeff yeah. how do you feel about being uh, about not having no support do you obviously feel let down you do yeah like not not, not from here from this organisation well, I'm uh, saying let they, down by the, the people Philip that can help if they want to help they could help. They know how good the films do. And they're not the only one. Could, you see, all, they, all Irish films seem to be interesting, don't they? Yeah. There's all the good storylines there, isn't there? We're the best storytellers in the world. Irish yeah. people are not, known all over the world and for we were 300 here, years. We were sitting here the last, uh, we done a, um, what do you call it, a podcast with Richie Smith, yeah? Yeah. And we were sim- talking about something similar now, right? Where the, the sort of the bit of subject came in there, whereas when Irish people, when Irish films are being made, Especially in in Dublin, yeah, um, and they use Dublin characters like and Dublin actors. Yeah, it makes it even ten times better because it it becomes a natural then, doesn't it? Imagine trying to make the commitments of a snapper without Colomina. Yes, putting and putting somebody putting a British actor in there trying to do or an American accent, actor. It would be a car like that. crash. That's the what makes them films, and of course it's the backdrop of Ballymoon as well on yeah. the north side of Dublin. But having them Irish actors and then having that. The lingo and having the—that's what made the them. Poetry it's actually the like yeah. it's a, that's yeah. what made it's them. A, it's actually—it's actually like acting with family, like making a film with family, isn't it? Yeah. Like even when you hear them going, "You gob shoy," when you, you think he's, they think Meany says it about twenty times. Because the talent is there. Maybe what's not there is the support. How how did you get in? What was your break? What was your entry point into this? Into acting, yeah, into in, into the journey because you're not just acting now. You're you're, yeah. you're directing. It was in Jobstown, we're in, in school up in Jobstown, and there was a a nun up there, Sister Maria Hughes, and she had brought Vinnie Murphy in because there was a bunch of young people who are on the periphery of getting probably thrown out of school. The Jobstown three, and it was before just a year before me, they were the ones who were just acting the acting the mess. You know what I mean? They're just getting themselves into too much trouble. So what he what she done was she brought this guy up this Vin, Vinnie Murphy, she got huge grants chased all over all over the place. It was actually the church I think ended up funding it, and they brought Vinnie up big money at the time. The church and, did, yeah. The church had come yeah, across the church with the money. comes in handy sometimes. And what he said was to the to the the young lads was look, do this. You can get off one class early on a Wednesday. And that was it. And the last class was maths. That was the incentive. That was the incentive. So he says, yeah, have a bit of that. 
Get off mats. Yeah. What are we doing in there? <laughs> ah, you're just going to act a mess. You're just going to slag each other. And you go, ah, fuck this. I love that phrase, phrase, act a mess. Right. So we went, yeah, Halvera, jumped into it. And it was just me and my mates kind of taking the piss out of each other and pretend to be gangsters or were pretending. In, in the acting classes, basically. Yeah, just messing. And then what happened was he done what I'm doing here and he made a short film. Three short films with three different groups and in the community, all shot around Jobstown. And then they were, they were screened in the square the square cinema. In Tala. In Tala. I was 14. 14. And I went to watch it. I bought my man da. And my man da got dolled up. Fucking And we went to watch me in a film. The and I seen myself. One, Jeff, oh, yeah. oh, I seen myself on the big screen. <laughs> and I was the one of the main men in it. And I got a 1994. Summer of the World Cup. In the square, Tala. Yeah. Man da. Yeah. Dolled up to the nines. Are you man da still around? Yeah. Oh fuck, yeah. daddy man! And we went to watch it, and I got a big round of applause after the film. You were actually in this one, and I came outside. <laughs> he's actually in this one, and I came outside, and people were going, "Jeff, you are bleeding great. You are brilliant in it." And I was going, "I like this. I like how I like how I'm feeling here. I like I like this uh, recognition, for and not, not for being enjoy. bold, not for being bad, or not for yes, for yes, messing." Yes. So then we skipped into drama the, the week after. And I goes, oh, I want to do this. Get me more parts. Get me, I want to do something. So he ended up just getting, sh- he had loads of friends making short films. It was film base at the time were funding a lot of short it's films. Bar, yeah. So they were going, yeah, get Jeff in, get this in, get this in. So we were getting in and getting a few quid. So the options and opportunities were there for you. And then what happened was a, b- a big film came to Tala. It was called The Disappearance of Finbar. John Rhys Moyers was in it. I think it was John Rhys Moyers' first film. Went on to play Elvis, and uh, hold on, is that John Rhys Moyers? Yeah, the new Elvis. No, he's in an Elvis for ah, HBO yeah, okay. a few years ago. Okay, Brilliant. Sorry, but um, we got parts on that, and it was called a, we were a special extra. So we weren't just an extra; we were a, an extra. We had a lion. Yes, right, and a name, and a lion, and no. Hooligan one, or something like that. Right, Hooligan one, Joe Rider two, whatever it was. Right, but little bastard but three. We went over. This is in ninety five now, and we got paid a hundred and fifty pound a day, and we done seven days on it. So I got a thousand over a thousand pound for seven days. What year was that? Ninety five, ninety six, ninety five. So a gaff was probably only about. 30 grand so then. So always had to get in this and then we knew my man and I had bills, rent the rears, whatever else could have been and we always had a thing was I'll give her, I'll give my man and I half. That was the plan, that was the deal. And I always gave it to her and I seen how much she needed and I was going, this is it, this is it for me. I'm all, I'm all in here. All in, Donny Bradford. That's it and that was it, give me them. And I just rattled off parts after parts it was in the van, then the general then Veronica Gerdin and then Accelerator then Crush Proof then Ballycus Angel then Fair City then the Sofa that fuck then everything then Sofa but there's the gravy train over <laughs> get off your dick get the fucking that up <laughs> then that, that, that put the coin wash that put the coin wash on the gravy train <laughs> oh, but, that's, uh, that's, dead. that's a lovely story and you can see the rhythm of it and you can see you getting into it and you're learning the ropes and you're meeting people yeah. you're meeting directors actors DOPs everyone you're learning the whole fucking industry I was meeting everyone I was on the devil's own Brad Pitt I met Brad Pitt out there and we were doing teaching him how to play soccer that's what, we, that's what we had to do 
because we had to do a soccer scene and I didn't couldn't kick snow for rope, God love him. So we had to help him out, these little ragamuffins from Jobstown, yeah. are trying to teach Brad Pitt how to play football. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't visualise this. It was amazing. Well, what happens in that, when you when you open up into that world, all this alchemical fucking magic starts to happen. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, that's what gets me buzzing about even having a conversation with someone like Richie or someone like you about doing stuff in Ballymoon, especially with young traveller people. Yeah, the fucking magic potential. Because on, on most of the films, I know I was talking about that one or two directors who refer to us as the job sound tree or whatever. But the majority of the times when we are going to films and they get picked up from the house and job sounds, there's drivers coming to the house and picking you up in these lovely cars. Like the Alpha has a car in the garden, no tax, no insurance. He's taking the scenic route going everywhere. <laughs> like we live on the, the foothills of the mountains. Uh, and my dad would be only driving as far as uh, Tala Village. Yes. And you put out the top of the mountain, <laughs> coming out the back way because there's no police. <laughs> so these big, fancy, lovely cars are coming to pick Jeff up. Did you not ask Jeff to drop me off the one time here? No. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Jeff, you were living a lie, man. You were living a bleeding lie. I wasn't living a lie. I deserved it. I was uh, working hard. I was doing. I was. I, was I had talent. I, there was no one else in the country that was doing what we were doing. So you literally felt like the president, like it is. Uh, I felt like someone. <laughs> this is what I felt I like someone. You felt I felt like someone. I felt like for the first. It doesn't actually fucking matter where I'm from, or how trained I am. I had no training. No, no. Gaiety school or no What skill did you have? What was Winging it? it Blagging I had that kind of Courage You had courage yeah, to go there in the first I place. had a bit of charisma as You a could talk the head off a hammer You could yeah. turn your hand up to anything Yeah I'd give it a go Still would Still can, do Can you ride a horse and speak Spanish? Yeah See, si, senor Don't know if that crush proof Can you ride a horse? Yeah Can you rob a car? My brother has one Can you rob a car? That's, <laughs> that's what he said <laughs> <laughs> I dragged him on my life with this road You think I got myself on the way into it we we done like three auditions for it and this was going to be the second lead in, in a feature film and I go this could be the big break for me so I says Jeff do what you have to do to get it because I had nude scenes in that film I think it was 19 at the time was it? 18, 18, 19 whatever 19 and I had nude scenes in it and they were kind of going Jeff are you going to be okay with the nude scenes and I was going yeah I don't give I don't give a fuck I just want to get the want to get the part I'll do any, I'll do whatever. So <laughs> I've done four auditions, right? And they called us in for the last audition. Oof. And it was myself and two of the lads. And he says, uh, the director was English. And he says, Do you know how to ride a horse? And the other goes, he was from like Donny Carney or something. And he says, Yeah, 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 I know how to ride a horse. So I said, You're a fella. Do you know how to ride, ride a horse? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, Jeff, you have to go one better here, son. Do you know what I goes, yeah, my brother has one. Why are you going to today on the back of it? No, no horse. No that. horse. Never the back of a horse <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so he goes, so he goes, does he? And he goes, yeah, yeah, lovely little pony. And here he goes, Rory. So they brought us out. They called our bluff and they brought us out to a place in Greystones and was ran by a stuntman called Philippe Zone. Best horse handler probably in Europe. Brought us all out. And there's three jobs sound fellas in for the horse. They grew up. He owns an he owns an an equestrian place, yeah. right? He does <laughs> me grew up on the horse there. So I grew up on it. Needed a big step ladder, right? <laughs> Couldn't even reach the stirrup, right? So I got a ladder up onto it. And he goes, just take my little trot around. So I'm trotting around. Here I am, please. At least you knew what trotting was. I lost on the horse. Go no, I just, I just kicked jump. it. <laughs> I just kicked it because my dad had horses. 
My dad always had horses all his life. He'd done a lot of dealings with the, with, with the travelling people over the horses. And I said it to me, Dad, when I go on the back of a horse, what do we do? Kick it. And when you're got to the, the pace that you're okay with, just give him a little tug, little tug back, and he'll maintain that pace. I goes, right, I'll do that. So I get the horse a boo. He starts running off. <laughs> and I goes, that's okay, that, that's that's fast enough now. We're so I'm going to get him a little tug. And he's, he's going around and I'm directing him around. I goes, I'm doing bleeding grey here. I thought I was bleeding yes. Frankie the Tardy in this First thing, right? <laughs> so I do two or three laps of the oak and I come back around and Philippe calls the horse over. So I get off and he comes over to me and he goes, you were never on the horse before, were you? I goes, uh, I goes no. And he goes, fair play to you. He went and told the director he was the most natural on the horse. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Got the part. Once again, you bluffed it again. Bluffed it. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I think I... I uh, I think Link or Ryan Lincoln or Adam Muhammad or one of them was going for a role in some kind of film. Uh, and it could have been fucking anything. Because, you know, because of the connections that we have in the community, you get phone calls. Like, you were getting Star Wars phone calls and yeah. all this type of stuff. Yeah. But so it was for a big role. And uh, I was like, lads, any of you know how to ride a horse? And coming from Ballymun, you think, yeah, never on a bleeding horse in the lives. Oh, and he went up to this place and the lads were like, you really need to be able to really ride a horse here. There's no wing in this. So come along for six weeks and do the fucking training, like yeah. You know. That's what. That's what you have to do. Same as anything, Martin. Look at come you on. Pull it off. You pull it off. Come Jeff. on. You have to. You have to tell a little black to get the job. Right. That's what you and do. What about the driving scenes now, Jeff? Where there's robbed cars. How do you? How would you fake that one? We didn't. We had to drive at the time. No. 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 Couldn't drive. I was driving a straight line. But you got the. You got the scenes basically. Driving a straight the line. Yeah, got the part. Yeah, got the part because the guy who directed it. Was we drama so teacher? So did you lie your way into that one as well? Yeah, it is. yeah. <laughs> so those ones like Crush Proof and Accelerator, they were like Ireland nineties joyriding the kind of films. Yeah, they're like cult. Still, they still hold their own. Now it's great. I, people that come to me even still now, and they're like, "What they were made well, twenty two years ago, twenty three years ago?" Some and going, "I really watched that last week, Jeff. That's bleeding great." Yeah, still holds its own. You know, the, these things. People are always going to have horses in Dublin, and people are always going to like fast cars. Yeah. Young, young folks are always going to like these things and you're throwing a little bit of drugs into it and a bit of working class areas yeah. that shit is still happening people still can relate and to it and you're always going to chant your arm and dip in and out of acting yeah because if you've, the right you've done stuff up. you've done stuff uh, re like recently enough yeah if the right parts come up now because I have a good job I don't have to do everything anymore you don't look like the the, the young fella that made the sofa yeah I don't like the uh, um, a little bit more overweight than I was and I have a beard that's yeah. it. That's the only difference. I'm still young at heart. I'm still, still good looking, Dean. You know. <laughs> What's your man's name? Ricky, the Liverpool fella. Ricky Javet. I'm not. I'm, 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 uh, Ricky Tomlinson. Ricky Tomlinson. He does the image of him. I swear to God, I was in Liverpool with my man's and my wife, and. People were stopping me down and he thought he was Ricky Tomlinson <laughs> in the royal family. So he went home, he had to shave. <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool, uh, Ricky Gervais and Ricky Tomlinson kept kicked out of the band. Yeah, but that's it. You just, you just, but it was happening so quick. There was so much happening all the time. You're going from film to film to film on TV shows and this, that, you know, and you weren't taking this, a breath and going, Jesus Christ, Jeff, you're doing all this. It was just happening. I only realised when this stopped happening, when it stopped parts stopped coming in and then you're going maybe we should have been taking stock of all this and and trying to go further afield look I had options to go to London a few a couple of times I've done a film in New York and they asked me to come back I never took them 
or whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I and always uh, have, maybe when, I should have. When, when I hear that type yeah. of story, I, I hear or reminds me of someone like Riz Hamed. Yeah, and Riz Hamed was like uh, London actor, um, rapper, kind of done. Kind of reminds me of Linko, Ryan Lincoln, and he took the opportunities that were thrown at him, and then, and now he's like he's like Barry. Um, yeah. Barry Keown. Yeah. He's like a leading man now. Yeah. Look, he just took the risk. He, he was a chancer. Both of them just chancers. Just stick your name in the hat. Can you rap? Can you dance? Can you sing? Yeah. yeah. There's a few that came after. Look, Lawrence Kinlan. He was, he'd come from from town, from inner city. And he kind of took the same chance as we did. Done very, very well. Excellent actor. Barry came after him from a similar area. Took the chances. Took the gamble. Excellent actor. Doing great. Both of them. Very good. And it's great to see that for young people coming up, you don't have to have all these professional trained skills. No. You can get there. As you said earlier on, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd be, and what lads in this community have, um, other lads would be gagging for. Like, um, I think I told the story in one of the earlier podcasts where there was a guy who was looking to learn the accent for love, hey, and he was hanging around with me and a couple of my mates for a while. And he was going, lads, you have so much fucking buzzy natural charisma. I, if you could bottle it, it would be worth a fucking million euro a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the only, I know you, Martin said it in the last podcast when you're hearing other actors trying to do the Dublin accent. Yeah. Some of them are like a car crash. Some of them can make a mess of it, can't yeah, they? it's horrible. And particularly, like you had said about the, the travelling community, it's a tough, it's a tough role to take on to play a traveller on screen for two hours and nail it. That's a tough, that's a yeah. tough job. For non-travellers. For non-travellers. Yeah, yeah. Like that's I've a seen tough, the ones that John done like King of the Travellers and yeah, those types of it's, it's no problem. Yeah. But then ask John to do, play someone from Jobstown for two hours and talk like me for two hours. Yeah. He probably wouldn't be able to do it. He yeah. probably chances are. Of course he would because he's like, he's like, where we are, we're wingers. We'll give that's it a go. We, that's yeah. why we always say, Jeff, it's not easy being a traveller. <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, what is your relationship? Because you mentioned there your dad and buying horses off travellers and all that type yeah. of stuff. And you listen to the podcast and I know that we've talked and, you, you know, uh, you would have had traveller friends growing up and all that type of stuff. Yeah. There's been a lot of travellers around Jobstown and Tallinn. Like a lot. Of, yeah. Lot. Great. Uh, just been travellers. I've been around travellers all my life. All, since I can remember. We moved to, to Jobstown in 1982 and the Forks family who moved in across the road from us was a traveller family. The Cassidy's. And my dad was already dealing with horses at the time. And he just seen them with horses and that was it. That was it. The connection was made oh, that day. In. That we're day. We're up in the bleeding hills here. We're on the edge of the mountains. And that was it. My dad went straight over. Introduced himself. Want to do a bit of business, blah, blah, blah. And then that was it. They were friends for life. My dad was in there. We were in the house all the time. They were in our house. Until they moved. They were from Carlo. They moved back down to Carlo. Lovely people. Salt of the earth, Jesus! They had a lot more than what we did. And I know I was listening to a couple of them where the, the podcast you were saying where the the, the travellers were going around this community, knocking on the door and asking for for bread or milk or whatever it may be. We used to get stuff off them. Yeah, like we we had nothing. But as Martin says, if you look around Dublin, you look around places like Ballymun, there's settled people or country people. A fucking next to nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, we have a lot in common. Old Mags Cassidy across the road and the nanny. 
she was the, the nanny. She idolised me, my mother. Very good. Um, and my mother would have spent a lot of time with her daughters, um, Josie, and they were became friends. They'd go to the bingo and all this, and it was it was they were just all, but we didn't know you were. It's hard. We didn't even know you were travellers. No. Do you know what I mean? They just doesn't just be man's friend. That's my dad's me. What do you yeah. mean? You, you knew they were travellers, but you didn't treat no, them any different. No, we, we didn't even know. We didn't know. We just thought you're from the country. You're yeah. from Carlo. And that's where you were, they were introduced to us by my dad. My dad wouldn't have said, here's Noel coming in. No, he's a traveller. He wouldn't have said that because he was kind of the same as him. He's, we're just two men trying to bring our, bring our families up here. And they had names, just like you felt alive when you had your name. So when did you realise you, you were travellers? You know what I mean? We realised you were travellers. Well, I'll tell you. One of the sons, Jim, breakdancing the same as on. Remember all the breakdancing, the lino and all was out. What's this in? Oh, the scene of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought you were talking about a scene in a film. I thought you were in a breakdance film. And every kid was doing the breakdancing. And the son, Jim, was the best breakdancer in Jobstown at the time. Serious. Right? He was spinning around on his head and everything. And I, someone had referred to him as Traveller Jim. And I was, one of the lads, just on the road, had said, oh, it's Traveller Jim's turn. And I was going, Traveller? I didn't even know what a Traveller was. Yeah. And I kind of said, what do you mean a traveller, Jim? And then you're going, oh, yeah, they're, they're travellers. And then I kind of started to find out, oh, right, that makes a bit of sense now, because they'd be there and then I'm not there for a while. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They just they they hit you up and they're gone. Yes. And I was kind of going, really? I just got the holidays. That's what my dad would say. I just got down to Carlo for a couple of weeks. He'd know. He would, he would obviously know. He'd but yeah. it wasn't important. So then I was kind of going, oh, right. But then I was, you know, he's a traveller as well. You know, he's a traveller. You know, he's a traveller. And I was going, no, 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 I didn't know. And that was it. They were just, they were our friends. They weren't, there was no. Now, now you were learning who travellers were, basically. Yeah, and it made, it made no odds. It made no difference to me. No. But what, no what, what, what year was that? Mid-80s? Mid to late, yeah. And where did you move from? Here. Oh, you were in Ballymun, were you? Yeah. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably told me that, but I, pro you know what I mean, I didn't know. So Slow you broad. were, are you born in Ballymun? No. Where are you? My daddy is, uh, Crumlin, mother is Drimna. Then I moved into my nanny's house in Drimna when I was born. And then my man and I got a flat in Ballymun. My brother came along in 1980, sister in 82. Too many people in the flat. Out the Sally. That was it, 82. I had, a few mates, I had a few mates like that, that happened to them. Yeah. Talent started to open up. We were here, we were like 8, 9, 10, off, you know, mooching and robbing and all this type of stuff. And then a few of them just went, gone. Yeah, out to Jobstown. Yeah, we dad, Jesus, we loved it here. Loved it, loved it in Ballymun. Yeah, and my man and that they didn't want to live. Just that there was too many kids. Now we only had a two bed flat, and there was now just three kids, two different sexes. As soon as my sister came along, it was kind of like that's it. You're gonna have to move on. Because I used to, I used to play on uh, where Martin lives. Up, it, it wasn't really a halting site. There it was more like a camp uh, in those uh, those years. And I remember about nineteen. 80, 81, 82 so I would have been about 8, 9, 10 years of age I used to play with kids up there didn't know they were travellers and then we were kind of told don't play with the travellers was, that was kind of like a thing a vibe that went around the place yeah, don't play we, with the travellers we would have been so were you told to, in, in we would have been told the other way we have been told the other way we, we would have said make sure you're playing with the traveller lads yeah wow. don't leave them out okay, was that sort of thing that's dead we'd all have been going like, make sure you're, you're playing with them there you're playing with them first. You know, you, 
me are going to try sneak off or yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Hold on, what are you doing? Yeah. You're playing with him first. Now that's your mate. So what happened was then I became very close friends with one of the traveller lads. And he was my best mate. He was my best, best, best friend. Lovely. Wow. Up until about 93 or 14. And we went to the secondary school. Because another time, I'm not, I don't even know how I feel about this, but I'm quite smart. Yeah. And JR's literacy probably wouldn't have been the best. He was your mate. Yeah. It was and, named JR, yeah. Yeah, JR. And then, so we were split. We went to the secondary school, we were split away from each other. Right. So I wouldn't see him. So he's off making friends. I was off making friends. What do you mean you were split? Just two different classes? Or? Two different classes. Was like it wasn't he, like a traveller class. It wasn't he's a traveller class, yeah. No, it was done in, 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 in academic, smart kids altogether. Then the next best altogether. Next best and all the way down. And JR would have been in there on the middle. So he was kind of with, like they weren't bad kids. You know what I mean? You just start, you just, he made new friends. I made right. new friends. Still pals, but it's not as tight as you were. Yeah. But, but you still live beside each other still. Yeah, yeah, right beside each other, yeah, right beside each other. And it's still the same all the time. And it's same in the when we became men in 18, 19, but same in the pub with his, with his family. But I would have stayed up in that house a lot, sleepovers and stuff, and vice versa. Like we are, like brothers. Stark. He hadn't got a brother at the time. He was the only boy of about nine kids, I think, at the time. And was it strange in the community? Was it strange in the community to see a traveller? And a, I say a countryman, as I say a settled man, two best friends in that no, area. No. So it was a strange two other people around. No. A lot of people don't. Not where you were. You were up in Tallet, up in the sticks, yeah. up in the hills. Everybody, I think most of us had traveller friends. Yeah. We didn't real. you didn't, it's it's hard to explain. Like, it's like if I have a mate who's black. Yeah. Like, is me mate still? That was the way it was. There was no, there was no, I, Jeff's hanging around with a traveller. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was just he was one of the lads on the same football team as me. It was, you know what I mean? There was three travellers on the same football team as me. They were as good as anybody else. They were just on the team. They were just lads from the area. But I used to spend a lot of time there. I was work for, me and JR would work for his daddy, Johnny. He'd have us out working, out in the van with him, out the back hunting the sticks. Very hard working man. Like me dad my own dad doing a bit doing the wheeling dealing with the travellers doing the, the horses and stuff like this. We used to see Johnny going out in the morning and we'd go out with him halfway, six in the morning. If I was staying over, he'd be going, you're coming to work in the morning. And he'd have us up. Serious, yeah. Chopping sticks out the back. He had this shed, I remember. He had this shed, like a, a, a concrete shed out the back and it had like a little hatch. The door was jammed. So was, he, was he chopping the sticks for to sell them in the area, basically? Yeah, not in that area. We'd go to Rafa and like, go yeah. to the posh areas. Get a couple of more quid for it. Yeah. Good. Got the rough iron and done drum, forever. And myself and Jr. Because Jr. was the eldest son. We'd be in the front of the van, listen to all the great music. Probably well, Elvis. Well, what was in the shed? Sticks, <laughs> ah, to floor right, okay. to ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You opened up the hatch and the sticks just hard out on top of you, and you had to put it three shut. So this is the eighties. This was nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Dublin, Tala, yeah, Ralph Farnham. Um, people are out walking. You know, chancing our arm, chopping sticks, coal yep. deliveries. People are burning coal on the fire. Yeah. And sticks on the fire was a thing. Oh, we sold. Jeez, you couldn't sell them quick enough. But basically, you were best friends anyway, and you worked together, and you got out to both selling all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Went to the caribou sales with, with Johnny and JR, buying bits and pieces. He'd, he was great. He'd go out and he'd buy a washing machine for like a tenner in the morning. 
he'd have a soul that night, 30, 40 pounds. Don't let him. And he'd be kind of going, like, there's three quid for you or two pounds for you at the time. We'd get wages off. That was the wage. And that was the wage. We loved it. We were kind of going, Jesus. What can, we, what can we get tomorrow? What can we flip yeah. tomorrow? I'll tell you what the weird, weirdest thing was. I don't know where he got it from. But he said to us, uh, we're going out again to Raffarnham. And he says, you're going to be selling bags of pasta. Giant jumbo bags of pasta for the pounds. <laughs> right? We've never, we'd never seen you pasta. the film industry was interesting. We'd never seen pasta before. <laughs> and neither did you JR. You sticks for the fire. Neither did JR or Johnny. Johnny didn't even know what, he, what it was. <laughs> He's going, Are you sell that? So we were going up to houses trying to buy a bag of pasta for a pound and they were going yeah you know all these pasta this after the sofa before oh, this is long before right, right, long right. long before but uh, <laughs> we're only 10, 11 11, 12 you were going down to the posh gaffs to sell them pasta 11, 12 and then the next day Johnny would come down and give us our two or three pound and we'd be off doing whatever we're doing with the money great great, great crack lovely family still see them now and they were like Second home, there wasn't like I'm going to be traveling at mate's house. Did they still live there? Move, yeah. Did they move? Oh, they're still in town, aren't still they? There, still there, still yeah, there. And yeah. is your mate still around? Can I ask? Fortunately, no. Unfortunately, oh, okay. uh, no, he passed on about 14 years ago. Ah, was he the oldest in the family? He was no, he said he had an older sister, a year older than him. He was the oldest lad, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things which shouldn't have happened. It was hard for you, the, the Jeff, also, very, then. very hard, yeah. Lovely and fella. how long was that since it happened to him since he died? For 14 years. He was only, he wasn't even 30. He 40, was, yeah. He was 28, 29. He had two two kids and one on the way. Lovely wife. Is his kids still around? They are. Yeah, yeah. His, his, his son Stay was with in, grandparents now, it's, like. it's, it's weird that his eldest son was in the same class as my eldest daughter. Ah, so they kind of knew each other oh, as well. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be walking down the road and his son, young JR, they called him the same name. <laughs> and he'd stop me and go, Jeff, didn't you know my daddy? Because he'd have a big gang of friends ah, around him. Serious. And they obviously would have been watching the film. Didn't you know my daddy still passed it? Didn't you know my daddy? And he goes, he's my best mate. Breaking your heart about you. Yeah, and they were going to go on. Because you telling the boys, he must have watched Accelerator, he must have watched something. Yeah. And they were, he was telling them all, that's my daddy's best friend. And they were going, will you ever piss off? So you couldn't wait to go He wanted me. them to yeah, see Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But, uh, and knocked and knocked the family to bits, knocked the whole community to bits. So it's not just the family. Wow. The whole community. He was a, he was a very well respected, very hugely respected family in Jobstown. Everyone in Jobstown knows who they What's are. What's the family name? Cunningham. Cunningham, yeah. And when you say respected, they're respected to their good ways and kindness. Good ways, and all that. Good, lovely. There's not not one not one person in the in the family had ever caused any trouble or anything. No. Like the other the other son, Joe. Who helped me do the safe talk with the traveller lads up there in Tala. Oh, let's talk he about He works that. for the, the Dublin County Council. Very hard grafter. He's married to a settled girl who's actually best friends with my sister. My sister. It's, it's mad. It's all... It, it wasn't like that. Everyone... Sounds like you've... you've uh, like, it's just community. You've got a boat. There's a, a special grow or a special love you have, it sounds like, for, for, for these travelling people. Yeah. Family. I, I liked the family unit. Because we have a real close family. Me, my brothers and sisters are very close. My man, that salt of the earth. Ricky Tomlinson. Didn't have a, didn't have a shilling, but I don't know how they done it. Don't know, I still don't know how they brought five kids up through our two recessions in Jobstown with not a shilling. Well, you're bleeding thousand euro every couple of months I mean, from the films. But helped. this even before, I'm talking like early 80s, mid 80s, yeah. didn't have a pot of piss in. And they still managed to keep us all going. We never want, we didn't even know we were poor. 
because not everyone was poor. You know what I mean? Like I didn't look out and go, oh, bleeding, Noel has this or JR has this because none of us had it. See that phrase you said there, didn't have a pot to piss in. Because mm. in a few of the episodes I was doing, these sayings, slaggings and superstitions. And we're at the cover in loads of sayings and slaggings. And uh, there's, a, there's a saying, uh, piss poor. Yeah. And it came from, uh, one of my mates sent me this, it came from, they used to tan hides with urine. So you could sell your urine to the tanner. Yeah. Very good, yeah. And if you didn't, so you brought it down in the bucket. Bet you didn't know that, Martin, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. And if you, so you brought it down in the <laughs> bucket, and if you didn't sins. have a bucket, yeah, they'd say you didn't have a pot to piss in. Yeah, that's where it came yeah. from. I, I don't, I didn't know where it came from, but it's just so we, we always hear me dad saying, this, "These things just catch on, don't they?" <laughs> it's not really, it's not really important where they came from, is it? It's just people say them anyway. No, it's, it's kind of like mannerisms you picked up from me dad. I'm very, I'm very like me, me, me dad. I'm very like him. I picked up all his manners, yeah. some good, some bad. Do you ever get that moment where you think? Where you feel like I'm me dad. Yep. He may spark, he does it. He, sometimes he drives through a place and he starts pointing out, that's that place over there. That's where your man used to live. And he goes, that's exactly what me fucking yeah. dad does. But that's what we do. Like, I was listening to how Martin was talking about his father in some of the podcasts and how, how higher the guard he holds his dad. I, I'd be similar to that. Hell flakes. I, I'd be similar to that. He's a, he's a great man. He's done a great, done a great job on us. Bring up five kids and my mother. Bring up five kids in that area with crime, poverty. Yeah, you're filling me heart. My dad's the same. Oh, you have to give them respect because none of us, none life was wasn't easy for them anyway. None of, us, none of us ever brought a bit of trouble to the door. Never any trouble with police. Never any drug problems. Nothing, nothing like that. He, what he didn't have in terms of money, and my mother, him and my mother, didn't have in terms of money. They gave us in love and we didn't have holidays. Never went on a holiday. Never went on a holiday as a family. Ever. Oh, not Blackpool was, or Bosnia or anything like that? No, no. Went camping for two days up in the Hellfire Club. <laughs> up, I used to go to a place up behind you. As, that was the um, only holiday we ever had. Yeah. Still remember it. We all still remember it. But my dad was, my man that one of these kind of, my dad be out playing football with all the young, with me and all my mates on the road. He'd be getting in there or he'd be bringing us off to play games somewhere or playing pitching with us. He's finding ways of keeping busy still, like. Yeah. But was there many people in the area going on holidays at this time when you wouldn't be going at this time, like? Some of them. Some of them. You'd not, you'd there wouldn't be a lot of people who are able to afford holidays now, would there? No, some of them. Well, it would, wouldn't be to <gasps> abroad. They might go to Basetown or Cork is, or Tramore or something. Which had a playground of, of up the, mountains. the Dublin Wicklow Mountains. And that was it. Like, we used uh, to go to a place up there for a body boiled. It was amazing. <laughs> and we'd, we'd, we'd camp out in a place. We'd be up on the Kings River, a place up there. And I'm telling you what, and my dad used to bring us up and we used to bring a kettle and a chicken and, you know what I mean, that type of stuff. Yeah. And we'd, we'd just make a bleeding, make a holiday over. But I tell you, myself and JR, another friend of mine, Graham O'Donoghue, he's passed on as well. But three of us were tickets thieves and we had got a few quid off, off Johnny and JR and his daddy used to watch the Westerns. Right, like a lot of traveling men, like the westerns, and he, he seen a film, and they were all out camping with marshmallows and sausages and like, like meat. So we wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we bought sausages, and we bought a packet of marshmallows and burgers, and we found we got sticks out of forest beside us, and we went up the mountains, and we we're going to be cowboys. We lit a fire, and we were 
probably cooking the sausages for about four hours. Still raw. <laughs> just hanging, the, <laughs> hanging over just, the fire. Just singeing the skin. <laughs> Still raw. We couldn't look at each other going, let's wrap this up. We're not, rolling, we're not for rolling, this. rolling, rolling. We're not built for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, great, great, great times. Lovely guy, lovely, lovely family. That's it, we get all things happening. Well, it? it's great that you can actually talk good about them, that you're not talking bad about them. Like, you, you, didn't, you didn't have anything that's bad to talk about. No. I'm trying to, I was trying to rattle my head because I knew it was probably going to be asked and I was trying to think what negatives. There was none, wasn't there? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to think of what negatives some of the travellers in Jobstown. I can't remember any. And that's the kind of typical thing, you know what I mean? We mentioned travellers and we want to fill that space with something negative. Yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what, what I think this podcast is doing and the conversation especially with you is let's not be typical and do that. Let's, let's, uh, Let's explore the amazing stuff. Let's explore the mm. stuff that actually really happens. Like, yeah. uh, and it blows my heart open to be around travellers. You know what I mean? It's 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 a fucking. I just, as I said, there, well, I, I'm I, spoiled with 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 that being around travellers. Yeah, I, I just loved the the family the family unit of it. I, I loved it. Like I love going in, and Bridgie would be making food for everyone, and I was like, "What was the mother's name, Bridgie? Bridgie, was she? Bridgie lovely woman." And what was the father's name again? Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, but so was Bridget, the, the young lad G.R., was he Johnny him. as well? John, John Jr. John Jr., oh, John all right. Jr. But, but uh, and Johnny. We'd go into the house and all the sisters would be there watching Grease or something. They are always watching the same film on the loop. And we <laughs> Ayers was there uh, blazing saddles. <laughs> yeah. watching Grease. No, that, that, that explains where you, where you are. You're yeah, watching yeah. blazing saddles on the on 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 <laughs> loop. <laughs> but uh, we'd go into Sheriff the house and I was like, Obviously, they had the showroom, sitting sitting room. You can't go in there. Yes. The, the sitting room was, that's where the, all the investment was. Uh, you know, they bought all the porcelain and they bought all the... That, the silver that that. and whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the investment room where the, the, the girls are getting married on or whatever. But we went to the kitchen and there was always something cooking. Always nice food and always ham and... Bacon, lettuce, ca- or bacon, the, the, cabbage, the cabbage getting cooked in the, in the bacon water. I'm not leaving here too early. And just we... What she used to do was she'd send down and she'd say, JR, go and see it's Jeff and Graham around and she'd she'd try find us. Wow. To get us up. They'd be involved. She'd have loads of food. She'd have loads of they could feed everybody. And the the neighbours were coming in and the house was packed. And it was just for you other settled settled kids, us, the traveller kids, everyone, all eating together, eating bacon sandwiches in the garden. It was mad. It was just well, you didn't know. Again, didn't make a difference if you're traveling. But that's no. like you can't buy that. That's community. That's the yeah. thing. I'm, I, if I'm addicted to anything, it's community. And yeah, well, you're brilliant. It. And I loved. It's a song that's in my mind, and I, I, I thought it was made up. And it was a song called Podgeen's Party." And yeah, it's right. Seamus Moore sings. Seamus Moore sings. Yeah. And we used to sing, li- listen to that in the van. You know, Barva. Yeah, it well, was uh, the start. Of it was. Um, in a pub in Tullawajin at a party yeah. for Pajin. <laughs> and the crack it was mighty that night. Is this But I used to love the chorus, right? Because the chorus was it was the first time I was allowed to say the word knacker, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the chorus would be uh loud knock him on 
It was the Garda Shiacarni outside. Yeah. Shiacarni. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is what... This is what this it was the Garda Shiacarni outside. Four big red faces, hobnails on braces, yeah. and the knackers were roaring to fight. <laughs> right? And uh, it was that. And I, was, I couldn't wait to sing it. Because I was, I was able to say the word knacker around the two boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's lovely. And if you go to look up, you wait and see. Is Jeff going to sing this bit? I'll be singing it out the fan. And then I, I forgot about it. I goes, that has to be a made up song. There's no way there's a song. And then. But it's done in such a way that it's not fucking piss take or offensive. It's I'll tell lovely. you what happened. I went down to Tramar about four years ago. And who did I bump into? But one of the Cassidy from across the road. Because that, that had moved oh, to Carlo. the ones that moved, yeah. Yeah, I bumped into one of them. That was my dad's friend. Got chant to him and he was asking, How's all the boys up in Jobs Town? How's Johnny Cunningham? Yeah, all grand. And I goes, No, can I ask you something? He goes, There used to be a song and I started singing it to him. And he goes, Hold on. And he took out the phone. He's there, Seamus Moore. And he played it. Yeah. And I was going, Yes. Spotify. That's it. I'm going to find that. I have it on my phone. Happy days. It's on my playlist. And when it comes on, it would, be, it would remind you, me of you, JR and you, Johnny and I'd have a laugh to myself or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, what I was saying there, Jeff, was, right? You're about an hour and a half here at the moment, yeah? Yep. And we fired all the questions we could at you, yeah? So I think it's time we gave you a little bit of a break, yeah? So if you want to feel free to ask Dean a few questions, <laughs> work away, then I'll help I you out. I feel it's set up here. I'll help you out in any way I can, okay? <laughs> I'm on your side, Jeff, yeah? I'm going to ask the questions that Just I so want to ask, or would you ask me to ask them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Martin, Martin wants to plant the question in your Come brain. On, feel free, feel free no. there. To, to, to uh, vex me. Oh, I think what I'm getting is that Obviously, you've, you've already explained where you set up the, the podcast in the first place, but and I know you're fascinated with the traveller culture as a Blows whole. Blows my heart open. Why? Because I think, like, um, we're all traveller. Yeah, Whether or not we want to bleed and admit it or not, we're all traveller. We're all fucking on this island. We're all uh, nomadic. We're all living off the land, you know, for as many years as you want to go back. And I don't care how far you want to go back. You know what I mean? Pagan, fucking Viking, the whole bleeding lot. There's a bit of traveller in us all. We're all Irish. The community aspect of the, the travelling community, uh, I love. I just love community anyway. Uh, obviously, there's, you know, the stones we can throw at the travelling community, you know, um, how women are portrayed, uh, the non-paying the taxes, the bleeding, um, the, the robbing and all that type of stuff. But trust me, which we settled, have in all walks of life. But settled people are black belts at that shit as yeah. well. There's no bigger fucking criminals than, than settled people and and middle class settled people. And well, I, I was thinking about that. I, 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 I get what you're saying, and, and it is all walks of life. And the thing what got me, especially because I was around them all the time, the whole Robin thing. And I got thinking about it. Of where what, where's that coming from? What's it happening? And I was it's going to go on. If I'm a father of two or three children, and I'm a young man, I'm 22, 23, whatever, and I'm not educated, it's not my fault I'm not educated, this is the way my culture has made it, and I need to provide for my kids. Not only that, but I've told my wife's father that I'm going to provide for her as well, because yeah. that's what happens. You're telling the wife, if I'm in that situation, I'm going to go, no one's giving me a job here. I'm trying. But some of them do. Some of them do, and I'm going, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a job. 
I'm not getting a chance because of my education, which isn't my fault. I need to start providing soon. My kids are hungry. I'm hungry. My wife deserves a better life. Because I've told her father I'm going to give her a better life. We'd probably t- half think about if I, if I need to, I, I will. If I have to, if we have to do it, I, don't, well, I, think, there's, I think there's a bit that comes before that because so, I remember in the in the say the early seventies, right? My dad's from Sherry Street. They walked and robbed, yeah. Um, but at that time, there was work for travellers. Travellers had jobs. You know what I mean? They knocked around. They done tin smitting, all this type of stuff. And I think for me, the big thing that happened was the Itinerancy Act. Um, that kind of was written uh, in the 60s but took hold in the 70s and then it was like the shutters got pulled down. The shutters got pulled down at the end of the 70s and I was told as a young person, don't play with the knackers. And I think from then, from that type of time, all the options and opportunities that were available to everybody in the country, including travelling people, uh, was kind of like no the shutters were pulled down for travellers you're not getting these op- options and opportunities you're going to be pushed out to the corner over there you can't just pull up to any camp or any side of the road that you want we're going to have special classes for your kids actually that, that was out in, our, out in Jobstown as well in, in one of the schools they'd put the the traveller lads in the same class as the kids who wouldn't be the best the settled kids now who wouldn't be the best academically and we had a major major issue with that because JR six, seven other traveller boys and girls were put in, and they were as smart as I was at that time. And then we went to the secondary school and they weren't progressing as quick as we were. We were, gonna, we were even acknowledging as kids, 13, 14. That's why. That's why. They were the same as us three years ago in terms of academia. But yous have made them learn in a slower rate. Before we finish up, I just want to uh, talk about the some of the other work that you do, and specifically around suicide in your community, because I know you were involved in setting up a project with the HSE that's gone really, really well, uh, which started off in humble beginnings, you know, in a boxing club, there was a tragedy with a young guy, and uh, you had a boxing coach there who felt he should have seen this coming. Yeah. But you were kind of saying to him, because you, you told me this story before, where you said, Look, you're not trained in any of this. Uh, you're, like, it's not like you're uh, a mechanic fixing the car and you're fully trained up. You're you're a boxing coach. You're trained in boxing. You're not trained in suicide, yeah. especially in young people. Um, and just tell us a little bit about that program and you know why why was the need to do it in Tally and what's it like now? Well, what was the name of the program? Also, yeah, it's called the Safe Talk program. It's Safe a HSE uh, led program. It's around suicide intervention and prevention. And we saw the need because Jobstown, which is our community, we love it. Uh, it would become the national black spot. Those we were the worst per capita, it was the worst community in the whole of Ireland, 32 counties of Ireland, for suicide and self-harm. And that didn't it didn't sit well with us. It became the norm. The numbers were huge. There was like one a week for between November. Um, November 2017 and the first week of March 2018 those one a week those, on average and that wasn't it was heartbreaking to see the families of people we know are community members so we said look this this can't happen so I had done the Safe Talk training through work so I'd asked Frank Frank Stacey from the boxing club and 
30 other community members who would be interacting with young people more so. But we had bar staff, post office staff, chess club, so on. And they all said, yeah. So we got the training done. Um, we filmed the training. We filmed the people then. We went to them and got them to do a little bit of a skit on a video, basically saying, I'm Jeff O'Toole. It's safe to talk to me. I'm Dean Scurry. It's safe to talk to me. To let the community members know who actually has the training. There's no point in us all doing training if nobody knows who has it. True, yeah. It's pointless. I, I have to train in my house, but Johnny down the road is, is struggling. And this is just basic kind of uh, suicide awareness training. It's signposted. Yeah, it, the training is what to would, notice the red, notice the flags, notice the science and what to do next. That's what I was going to say. What was the training about? Like, were you actually reaching out to people to come and talk to you if yeah. they have problems in their lives kind of thing yeah, and what's going on in their heads? It's, it's kind of no, noticing. If, if, we're, if we're close we're close friends, Martin, and I know your your attitude I know your personality and I start to notice a few things changes like it's given me the tools to have a conversation with you and ask you are you alright like, are, you, are you thinking about taking your, are you thinking about quitting suicide okay kind of thing, yeah. not being afraid to ask the question and more so not being afraid of the answer because this is what this is the taboo question are you thinking about ending your life through suicide because people are afraid of the answer that if he says yeah I am shit what the fuck am I going to do with this? Yeah, well, the, the question would be, are you all right? How are you doing? Yeah. How are you feeling? You don't look the best. Rather than saying straight, yeah. are you thinking about committing suicide today? Yeah. And when you, you get the answer, this training is giving you the, the tools of what to do with it. So we wanted to have as many community members in Jobstown to have that training. The, the, the goal was that no matter where you are in Jobstown, there's no one more than five minutes away who has the training. Right, and we've done it. So you train people up like, as you said, barmen, barbers, butchers, yep. taxi fellas. Yep. Within the first year, you had 88, 88 people trained up. Yep. And the suicides went from one suicide a week to zero. One, zero in the first year, zero in the second year, one in the third year. And now the numbers are still, we're actually we're actually gone from the worst to probably the safest community in the country. Thanks be to God. And that's all about community. It's a, it's a community problem. So you face community problems as a community. There's no point in pointing the finger at HSE or point the finger at, at the council or point at anybody else. That's this is this is our problem here. Yes. So let's fix it. We're all community members. We all love each other. Let's fix this as a community. So we have got into the habit of going. It's the government's fault. Oh, it's, it's, the it's, government's, fault. Yeah, it's always it's the government's fault. Yeah, it's always the government's fault. That's the way it is. And a lot of time it is, but not all the time. This was, this was, look, let's fix this here. We're, we're a community. It reminds me of... So, Jeff, straight up, have you ever asked, have you, like you said, I mean, no, you've di you directly ask people. Yeah. Did you ever have to ask a person that question? Yeah. And what was the outcome of it? It said, yeah. And then you, would you be able to talk to them through stuff? Yeah, and, and then you signpost them, you direct them to the, where's the right place to go, whether it's counselling, they might need residential, just straight in, that it's gone that bad. That they, could be they, any kind of pressure. Or it like, could be just... Them saying it and getting it off their off their shoulders and yeah. me having a chat with them, and that might relieve that them. That could be just enough. Oh, so have what, you seen? Have you seen like say results personally to the people yeah. you've been talking to? Yeah. Maybe a week down the line or the next day or yeah. a month or whatever. Well, they're, they're still here, and you see that's, the that's difference the result, in them also. That's the result. If if someone says to you, "Will you ask Dean? Dean, are you thinking about committing suicide?" and he says, "Yeah," and I have a chat with him and I and I do the signpost and then I point them in the right direction. 
if I see Dean in a month's time that's the, that's the result so have you ever had anyone come back to you saying um, Jeff look I'm happy I had the talk with you I got this off my shoulders yeah. or this off my head or on my all mind and all I really time. appreciate what you told me or how you taught me or yeah. you, like you started to make them see life different in a better way kind of stuff yeah because it's this concept this misconception that men don't want to talk men do like talking it's just sometimes we talk to the wrong people yeah and that's what I needed to stop and particularly travel on men so when when we started doing this and then all these other communities around Dublin start seeing it and around Ireland start seeing the success of it then they start asking us to roll it out in their communities and we've done it we lashed it over we were going everywhere and the numbers were coming down and the communities were getting safer so the HSC brought us in National Office of Suicide Prevention and basically said look Jeff these are the five targeted areas that we need help in and we want you to do exactly what you've done in Jobstown exactly what you've done and you and Frank do it in these five areas that was Atoy um, Blessington uh, Cherry Orchard North Clondalkin and Traveller Men so they are going to go on Traveller Men we know that's, that's not going to work and we are going it is going to work. Yes, sir. It is going to work. And the way your going, best mate was JR. Because your best mate was a traveller. I know all the travellers in Tallaght and Jobstown. I know every one of them. I goes, this is going to work. And I'll tell you why it's going to work. Because they do care about the community. They're a very tight community, as you now know, Dan. Yeah, yeah. That they're a very tight community. Do you want to help each other? It's not all feuding. It's not all fighting. They do help, want to help each other. So and that, by the way, we tried to kill them off with the fucking like, Traveller Itinerancy Act. But believe it or not, Dean, that one was the easiest one to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Traveller Men was the easiest one. The first person they called was JR's brother, Joe, who had already done the training in, in Jobstown. Traveller, yeah. By himself. And I said to Joe, look, I know it might be far-fetched here, but is this a possibility? And Joe says, many do you need? Because I need 20. Minimum. I'll have you 20 by the end of the week. Right? And he says, okay, yeah, sound, reach out. So I went off and I started talking to other travellers I knew. Frank knew travellers from the boxing, so on. We had 30 in about three days. 30 men. And did they know what they were signing up to? Yeah. So what are they signing up to? It's a, it's a day, it's a half a day? It's a day, it's four hours. Yeah. And it's no literacy involved. There's no writing. That was the big... The, the biggest fear wasn't actually doing the training. The, reading the biggest the fear was the reading and writing. And I says, there's no reading and writing. It's a man up there in the flesh doing the training with you. All you need to do is look and talk. Listen and speak. That's all you need to do. There's no writing. So when the all came, doing the training, came outside, they were so eager and they couldn't wait to use it. They were like chomping at the bit. They are kind of going... I hope your brother isn't feeling the best tonight so I can have this conversation with him. <laughs> <laughs> the, new skills, the new skills they he have. He couldn't wait to, to utilise them. Yeah, yeah. The so Jeff, sorry, sorry man, but one of the best things that happened So we came outside and there was there's two families in the in the area in Tala who one's from Tala one's from further on and they're not they're not a feud but there's something going on between them and there's two of the men there they were there for the right reasons. They're there to help their community. They're there to educate themselves. Two travelling men, yes. Two travelling men. Very good. And they bring this back to their respective communities, their respective sites. Very good. So he says, this is going to, if this kicks off, I'm not going to be doing that. They'll go through me for the shortcut. 
So he says to Frank, look, if it happens, this is nothing to do with us. This is a family thing. Stay the fuck out of it. That's nothing to do with us. One of the men was in the car. The other man comes over to him. And I could see him, seeing him coming. He opens the door of the car. He's expecting a bit of trouble as well. So he's getting out. He's a large man. So he's coming up on a bit of it. I'm a struggle getting out of the car. And he goes, I don't know. Stay where you are. And he put his hand out. Very good. Because he had both lost people to suicide. Put his hand out. He says, look, I don't want to be fighting with you. I'm about the losing people. You're the losing people. Let's yes. just let's just put this to bed. This, is, this happened before me and you. Very good. He shook the hands. And I was going, is this... Is he leading them on here? I was still expecting They weren't sure, but they showed respect to each other. Though. I was still expecting a slap off one of them. I thought it was like, a, is he, is he couldn't have leaned them on and he's still going to... And he got out of the car. He had a handshake. Says, Look, let, let's, just, let's just put it to bed. I don't so want they'd to. already agreed to right. turn it up. They were open to it. Yeah. And what you were doing was providing them the space to for them to just put the hands up and go, you know what, we're... We've got decisions here and choices to make in our own community rather than just letting, you know, uh, feuds or vexing or slagging or any other type of stuff take over. Yeah. We, we can take control here. It's a power. Yeah. And that's why I was trying to explain to a lot of the men because, because lads, you are going back now with your respective community and you have tools that no one else on that site has. You have tools to help every single person on that site. Like Martin, Martin was asking you there, has, has anyone ever come to you mm. and I know I've done that training but I've done the next level as well Sist. which is CIS training I've done that yeah um, and I found during COVID that people were coming to me once a week yeah. going I'm suicidal they knew I had it and they were coming to me at that point I didn't even have to ask them are yeah. you suicidal but I've used it I would say I've used it every week since I've done the training and I've said to people and I've looked at them and I've held their hands and gone, are you suicidal today? Yeah. And it's an amazing freedom. There's liberation from the heaviness. Just being asked the question sometimes enough because yeah. it's like, he sees me. I'm, he, he, he's, actually not, he's actually listening to what I'm saying here. I'm not just traveling. I won't. All right. Back what, 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 would, um, what would you normally say to somebody, Jeff, that would come to you or if you've seen the signs that they were sort of down and out or fed up or things wouldn't look normal and then whatever it might be, obviously you know the signs, you're saying that. Yep. What would you normally say to somebody like that? Well, I'd have a, the normal conversations for us and say, What's the kind of word would you, you use? How are you like? feeling? You don't seem to be yourself, Martin. Right. You seem to be a bit angrier. You might be, you're a bit, you're a bit more distant. Right. You're usually upbeat and you're coming in singing. Yes. But I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, I'm not, is everything all right? If he says, ah, oh, yeah, everything's grand. Are you sure? Because I know. I know it's not. Yes. Are you sure? And it's, I still have a little... But if you're still adamant so you going... you sort of hesitate a little bit, like, would you? If you're still adamant saying, no, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right, then I'm not going to push you. Because now you know I've, I've, I'm, I'm there for you. Because I'm asking you. You've seen certain signs yeah, of Yeah, I'm time. asking you now. I've, I've acknowledged... I know Martin's not, not the best today. Would you assure them that they have someone to talk to yeah, like if they yeah. needed to, yeah. So I'll say, well, if if you if you don't feel yourself, you know, you can give me a show, I can put you in touch with someone or I can help you myself. But what you're doing is you're reinforcing that he's not alone. You're letting them know there's someone there to help him, yeah. basically. I'm here for you. It's safe to talk to and me. In other words, don't be shy to talk. Talk if you yeah, need to but talk. There's people here. Out. Because one of the biggest things is feeling lonely. Like, been there myself and you're like you're going 
I could be in a room full of people and I feel I'm on my own. That's that's a that's a that's a hard well, thing. Well, they say that loneliness one is the worst pain, one of the worst pains, isn't it? Yeah, and that's it. The people go, how should Jeff can't be lonely? She, She's big, always twenty friends. He's, he's surrounded he's by everybody. Jeff yeah. sounds a pound. Jeff's this, and you're going to go. Well, but in his own mind, he's not. Jeff's not sounds a pound. He's letting you think I am. Jeff is lost. But I'm, wa- I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone to say, Jeffy, all right. Do you want to have a chat? Yes. That's what I'm waiting on because I haven't got the balls to say it myself. Someone please fucking ask me. So I'm waiting. So if you have 20 people in your community who you know has that training, they're going, I don't actually like Jeff. But you can talk I'm not going to talk else. to him. But Dan's A1, Martin Sound. Yeah. So I'll talk, to, I'll talk to Martin. You're giving them the options. Yeah, yeah. it depends who they're comfortable chatting, basically. Exactly. Yes. I yeah. like Mary over there, or Winnie is grand. Or, yeah. And the more people that have it, as you said in Tallet, you're no more than... 20 foot away from somebody who yeah. has it. There's better options, yeah. So what we had done was, the, the, the barman in the Jobstown pub, John Colbride, had the most interventions. So he was making interventions all the most place. chats with people, the yeah. most safe talks. Safe talks. And he was signposting. You should talk to Jeff, or you should go to, there's the council numbers, call them, and he was actually ringing, look at one of your customers and blah, blah, blah. So we kind of picked up on that. So what we done was, we went to every pub in Tallaght, and says, give me one of your staff and we'll train all of them. We'll train someone in every pub in Tala. And that's what we've done. So now there's somebody in every pub in Tala that has to train him. Because if he's having that many interventions, or at the pub down the corner, or the pub down Tala Village, or the pub down Time So I've mentioned this to Martin before, right? And let's get 20 travellers down. And we invited people down. And at that point, I don't think they were ready to hear it. And, and we didn't get any down. But I think there might be, and it sounds like Martin's more interested now because he's seen you in the flesh, of doing something like this with travelling men in Ballymun. Because I know now nationally, actually between Ireland and England, travellers are getting together and they're doing a no shame campaign. Yeah. So travelling people are ready for this. Yeah. And Some like, travellers are very shy about these things, being honest about it, straight up. Especially men, they don't want to... Uh, Let's say they don't want to show their weaknesses and they they think it's a weakness, although it's not. Yeah. It's something that's, that's going on in their heads. But they they, they think like by um, by expressing their their feelings or their thoughts to somebody, they're uh, like they're sort of bringing themselves down kind of thing, you know what I mean? Which actually they're better people because it means they're stronger because they're taking more courage on to actually talk about it. Exactly. And it's sad that sometimes people don't. But I think the option, it, the option now is there. The opportunity there. Well, what there. I do is I, we we shot the video, so I have the video done, and you'll see the travel I'm in. Yeah. And you see the variety in ages, the variety in in experience, and they're all going. These are all done the training, and they're all going. I am such and such a, and it's safe to talk to me. But what we were trying to encourage was, if we got fifteen traveller men off a site, and say ten of them are daddies. You don't have to go around the site and trying to put out fires and think you're Mother Teresa. If you, <laughs> if you, if you, if you were just doing it in your own family. So if you had the training, Martin, and you're going, okay, I'm going to look after the Stokeses on this bay in this caravan, and I'm going to look after this family here. That's this is my this is my kingdom, and I'm going to look after these. And if I see one of my kids who might be suffering a bit and I'm noticing the signs I have the tools the same way if you're young for a felon grazed his knee you'd know how to put a plaster on 
The it's same you, way we were breaking down a car, you'd know how to train to break down the car. Exactly. So you're being a daddy and you're going saying, right, I'm going to look at, I'm looking after my family here. I'm not looking after the whole sea. I'm not, that, that's, that's their business. I'm looking after this, this bay. This here is my kingdom. I'm looking after all yous here by me doing this training. If two bay is up, Mr. McDonald wants to do the same. And he looks after his, brilliant. Two, two doors up, two bays up, Mr. McDonough wants to do it. And then, if there's 10 of the daddies, your site has gone into one of the, the most safest sites without you even stepping on any neighbour's toes or showing any weakness because you're just doing it for your own your own stock. No, what I mean, I don't mean, um, I don't mean a weakness in a sense. I'm saying is, uh, travellers in general are very shy about talking, if you know what I'm saying. I know we said this earlier on. It's sad that they are, but it'd be great if the if people did have, uh, like, say, problems going on in their minds, not, not people not going to tell every problem. I don't mean yeah. it in that sense. The things that you're talking about, say, the, the, the training that you've done, I think um, it's probably the same in, in, in the settled community. I don't know, and I guess it probably is a, a part of it. Well, until you took on board with your areas, basically. Yeah. And I'm guessing that people were maybe ashamed, ashamed to talk also. But they, they oh, were, not, the words yeah. the words suicide in the settled community people couldn't even say it thirty couldn't years say ago. It was, well, it was illegal up until nineteen eighty one. Yeah, it was illegal to attempt suicide in Ireland. But it's that word shame and the shamed and maybe shame or shy. I don't mean shame. Probably being uh, <laughs> too ashamed or not or having too much shame will kill you if it's if it stop you from 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 yeah, yeah, asking these questions yeah, or, or asking for help. So let's here. I'm going to throw this out. Let's kill shame, right? And let's. I'm going to use the power of this podcast now, Jeff. You love this podcast. You listen yeah. to it. it. Got you into listening to other podcasts. Yeah. There's traveling men and women listening to the, this podcast. There's settled people around this country. This is an offer to traveler men and women. If you want to do safe talk, yeah. if you want to be able to ask somebody in your community, are you suicidal? Ask somebody in your family, family. are you thinking about committing suicide today? If you want to do that. Reach out to us here at a Travel on the Countryman podcast. We'll connect you in with H- the HSE and Jeff, and we'll get you trained up. It's four hours out of your life, and it could Free. save a lot of lives. Free, no cost, no no literacy needed, no big college education. None that shy. It's just you and being open to having a conversation. And that's, that's the it. only reason I'm setting this podcast up. That's the role of this podcast. That's the role of these conversations. Yeah, yeah. is that we can. Day by day, inch by inch, person by person, start to liberate ourselves, to liberate the travelling people, to, to liberate Irish people from shame and guilt and all of those things that are bleeding, killing us off. Yep. Yeah. Deadly. That's it. That's it. That's 14 done. Episode 14. Travelling the country, man. Laughs, memories, films, fuck-ups, safe talks. Jeff O'Toole, you're a bleeding legend. Thank you very much, lads. All right, thanks, Jeff. Thank you for thanks, coming in. Thanks, Dean. All right, best. So that's us for this episode, Traveller and a Countryman podcast. If you like it, let us know, share it around, and uh, shall we see you on the road?